This is the Monday Nooner Podcast, brought to you by Healthy Eyes Optometry and Dr. Sean Fleming with two locations in Regina. Get your eyeballs checked at Healthy Eyes Optometry in Harbor Landing and on Rochdale. Dave Price, Century 21 Fusion in Saskatoon, your hardworking specialist that will get your home or land sold. If you're looking to buy, get Dave Price at Century 21 Fusion in Saskatoon working for you. Sports Clips in Regina. Need your salad cut and want to get it done while watching sports? Why wouldn't a guy? Get the full MVP treatment, including that deadly steam towel and scalp massage at Sports Clips. High Tech Profiles, the locally owned and operated steel processor serving the agricultural, mining, construction, oil and gas, and creative industries. Serving Western Canada and the Northern US for over 25 years, High Tech is your 24-7 solution to ensure that you meet your deadlines. Why wouldn't a guy? This is Jared Stoll from the Saskatoon Blazers. You're listening to the Monday Nooner Podcast. tuned in welcome to twirl number 33 of the monday nooner podcast brought to you by rosetown mainline motors they're your number one rural gm dealer in saskatchewan and brought to you by mainline chrysler dodge jeep and ram in rosetown as well big shout out to those guys uh title sponsor of the pod here in 2021 we certainly appreciate them uh, before we get in a little bit further i do want to introduce you to the fellas happy new year guys uh, hopefully everybody had a nice Nice holiday season. It's nice to be back out here after a couple of weeks off and uh, ready to buzz. Speaking of buzz, Belter, I see you got. Uh, <laughs> I see you got the hair trimmed up. You guys, there. <laughs> you're just waiting to tee that up. You know what I did? You know why we had Morasti on? I liked some of his dues, so I went and got cut, got up. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, I'll be switching hair, hairdressers after this one. Maybe I'll head over to Sport Clips. Looking good, Belts. Kindop, how you doing? Happy New Year. <laughs> oh, good thing Belter's family, because Jesus Christ. Look at that freaking mop of his. Oh, look, I feel like I'm looking at Chuck Liddell. It's, I'm, it's, just waiting for you to, I'm waiting for you to ask me a vino question. <laughs> well, guy, man, guys like you don't drink wine. You got jacked right. up trucks. You're drinking Jack Daniels. UFC guy. <laughs> Oh, two minutes into the new year and already uh, laughed harder than I did in 2020. Shank well, out of the clear. You still got a toucan, so welcome. Why do you think I do? Because you jap my hair for a month. <laughs> Shank, how you doing? Yeah, what a start. 
Oh, really out <laughs> of the really out of the gates here. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's good to be back. It seemed we hadn't done this in a long time. Twirl number thirty three, as always. Twirl recorded on Treaty Four territory. Shout out to the boys. Had a few uh, few jobs with the boys there last week. They uh, from from the Treaty Four. They were. Uh, Saying they appreciated it, wondering when we were coming back. So shout out to them. Hey, and why don't we get started here with the come up? Because people are going to know what the heck is coming up on Twirl number 33. And the come up brought to you by Realty One and Joel Trapp and Robbie Peterson. If you need to buy or sell in Regina and area, Realty One and Trapp and Robbie are going to hook you up. Official actually venue of the podcast when things get back to normal but you know where to find them realty one buy sell whatever you need to do they're not cheesy they're just going to get it done for you coming up in the program we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the world juniors and what happened there actually we're going to we're going to delve into some funny stuff about the world juniors not just the game in general uh we are going to talk about the contest that we had with elk ridge that was unbelievable, and some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, Boz is going to touch on that from the behind-the-scenes and social media stuff. It took off, and we did not really expect it to go where it did, but it was awesome anyway. Uh, we're going to have an update on the shout-outs, some good ones this week, and Senior Hockey Soiree for Freeze Tallman Lumber. We're going to do our first all-decade team, and it's coming from the Coppell Valley Hockey League, Paco is joining us. You're going to love to hear some of these names on his all-decade team, so that's coming up in the Senior Hockey Soiree. And just, yeah, we'll drop around. And then the interview brought to you by Kent Bittner and Bittner Mortgages. It is Jarrett Stoll from Newdorf, Saskatchewan, by the way of Melville, Yorkton, and Saskatoon. So Stolle joined us, and that's the come-up for Joel Trapp and Robbie Peterson at Realty One in Regina. Boys, I gotta be a little bit. I gotta be honest with you. If we're gonna jap everybody's haircuts, I got a good story. We, uh, the missus and I, we went uh, ice fishing on the weekend. We uh, bought the old heater that goes on your propane tank, and so it's it's a little chilly. So we light the heater. Everything's good. It warms up. We shut the heater off, and I, I've, it's the first time I've ever used it. I didn't realize how much propane comes out of it. So we go to turn her back on, go to light it. The lighter didn't go off right away. Click, click. The third time she finally goes off and whoosh, straight in my face. So I lost uh, 60% of my eyelashes, eyebrows, and the first line of the uh, top of my hair. So it just smelled like a branding in the ice shack. Was Mrs. Hair. Was Mrs. K okay, though? Yeah, she's good, but she still wow. said my loaf looks better than what you, that divot you got going on. That's good. The Ryan Rockets will be happy that nothing happened to her. That's for sure. <laughs> I was going to say, you're going to be a fake eyebrow guy. Everybody knows the people with fake eyebrow lash guy. Yeah, that's going to be your look, uh, Kinner. Hey, we talked about it off the top. Our new title sponsor, uh, Rosetown Mainline GM and Rosetown Chrysler in Rosetown. <laughs> Obviously, Mainline Chrysler. Uh, thanks for those guys for jumping on. And we got to get some business out of the way for them. Hey, check out this special right now, guys. It's Mainline Sunday Ticket. Last chance for people to do that this month here. You got the Costco stuff going on. But if you buy a new or used vehicle from Chrysler in Rosetown or from the GM store in Rosetown, you 
and three friends. Not you and a friend. You and three friend, a chance to win. I think you get to go to any uh, NFL game you want next year. Yeah. I think on, a, on, on a private jet, and the winner is going to be chosen during the Super Bowl. Let's go. For f- you and three buddies, private jet to an NFL I trip. didn't know it was a PJ. Yeah. A, a, a yeah. freaking NFL game of your choice. Like that is that's a problem. That's one of the sickest trips I heard a car dealership give away in a long time. Around the horn, really quickly. If you guys could go anywhere, if you won that, what city are you going to? NFL city. I'm gonna go to Miami. I'll take Boz, Barney, and you guys pick whoever else because Sean's not coming. Mrs. K, let's go. What about you other two clowns? Where are you headed? First off, fuck you guys. Second <laughs> off, uh, Miami wouldn't be a bad pick, but uh, I don't even know. Uh, Green Bay, maybe? Ooh, tough. Been to a game there. It's way, yeah. Then you know it's flying to Milwaukee and drive. That's good. But I would actually say that I'm going to one of the games in London, England, and then they would say it's not possible because they can't fuel up. So then I would have to go with my second pick and my one of my favorite cities in the USA, New York. Be a good problem to have. And you? Uh, if you Where are you going to go? Of course. You're going to go to a CFL enter. game. You're going to go to a CFL game, aren't you, Boz? I'm going to go watch the Eskimos and the Red Blacks at Commonwealth. <laughs> private limo up to Edmonton. Why wouldn't a guy? But honestly, guys, if you're in a private bus, get, uh, get in there now with, with the, the dealerships in Rosetown, Rosetown Mainline uh, GM and the Chrysler dealership there, and uh, maybe you'll get a choice. Got to buy a vehicle first, though. Yeah, unbelievable. And they still have the Costco member thing. You receive an additional $1,000 off when you're buying uh, any new 2021 Sierra or Silverado, and I think that's what you're driving right now, Belts. You're thinking about upgrading, right? Got an 18 Silverado, yeah. I'm looking at maybe getting into a diesel. We talked about that a little bit. So, yeah, we'll have to see. I'm uh, I'm in the market. Of course so you're getting into a diesel. <laughs> well, the haircut, right? Yeah. I mean, So Sean, is that Sean, before or after the barbed wire cash? Sean's driving his Prius around tomorrow, so hopefully he's got winter tires <laughs> on that bad boy. Mrs. K will be pushing him out of the ditch. <laughs> we are all, we like got so much energy built up here over the last two weeks that I feel like this show is slowly sliding off uh <laughs> thanks to the uh the crew the, all the boys of the rose town uh, chrysler store and the rose town gm store go support them tell them you heard them on the nooner and uh tell them to uh buy you an 016 and get a vehicle deal done hey do you guys want to go into the world juniors quickly now is that where we want to go quick off the hop sure obviously canada loses uh belter and i you you and i both kind of talked about how they really hadn't been tested we were wondering if they get behind a goal or two if they're going to get puckered up uh, that's what I saw, especially late when they needed to score a few goals. Uh, looked a little bit tough. It was an unbelievably fast hockey game. Like for it to look that fast on TV, imagine watching it live. Um, yeah, I, I just thought it was an awesome. It was an entertaining hockey game. Very entertaining. You think maybe the crowd, the crowd would have an effect? Like if there was a crowd, do you think it could have helped rally Canada? You know, a little bit of momentum from the crowd, or I think the U.S. would have fed off the crowd. Yeah, getting those early they, like, they got nothing to lose in that game. They lose. Everyone expects them to lose. They win. and can't believe how many people said that the USA didn't have a, a chance. Like, it was like, oh, I actually bet on the USA, so take a seat, fellas. Take a seat, son. Belter, I know you think you kind of uh, you kind of called this one in advance, allegedly. Well, I know you're going to jap me about it a bit, but I did say on the 29th of December, 
that they hadn't played anybody. Nobody tested them. I said, what's going to happen when they play the Russians or U.S.? Now, I know they pummeled the Russians, but so did Finland. They just The Russians didn't have a good tournament. I think their best game up till last night was against the Finns. The Finns gave them a decent run, but they played a great game in that game. But when you're beating team 16-whatever, it's really tough to stay in the zone and stay at that level that you need to stay at. And it's tough just to turn the switch on and off. U.S. played some great they, – they played some good teams all along, right? And their goalie at the first game in the, the tournament, he played terrible. And then he turned it back on, and, and away they went. Just like last year, the Russians beat them 5 nothing in uh, in the round robin, and I said they were going to win the gold, and they did. So that's all I'm going to say about it. Yeah, no, you you kind of, sort of, allegedly called it for sure. 50%. Uh, people always say they didn't play anybody, and I'm kind of like, yeah, their pool is weaker, but they beat the Finns twice, and the Finns won bronze. So I'm not 100% on board with that, but... I thought you know, that pool was stronger. A little we, oh, for, it was overall stronger, yeah. Hey, I agree. But. Uh, One thing that was tough, like, and, and you know what? They played a great game. They kept kind of the outside. You know, they didn't... They, they, they just overall played a great game, but then they got to go ahead and ruin it with the garbage can. And then their coach puts that comment out today, but that was their thing. They had a can with every team on it, yada, yada, yada. I still think it's bullshit. You've, we've all played enough hockey. You've all seen the boards where you put the pucks on or the major league one where you peel off the slivers and they got the lady behind it, yada, yada, yada. When have you ever gone and got that and brought it out for a team picture of a world championship, let alone a garbage can? Yeah, that was a big fu. Probably, you know, they like you said, they were touted as doing nothing, and I, I mean, C- Canada, they were they were pre-designing their rings before this game. Let's be honest, man. They had how many how many first overall picks or first round picks? Like it was, they thought it was a guaranteed win night, right? Yeah, and you know, that's that's what happened. I was talking to another guy that kind of has the same thought process in all this, and when the U.S. does that, yeah, maybe it's a little bit cheesy, and was it malicious? Maybe, probably. But at the end of the day, we as a country took this tournament that was an awesome hockey tournament, put it on TV. It's a made-for-TV thing. Blew it up. Host it every year, almost. And get these people to come over. Half the countries we hammer the shit out of. And we pull our jerseys in their face. And we jump up on the glass. And TSN talks about how good we are. And it's yada, yada, Canada, Canada, Canada. We're in your face all the time with it. And then somebody does that. Take a seat, son. Take a seat, son. I don't know. I wouldn't have liked it if Canada did it. I I wasn't super offended by it, but... If if U.S. wants to jump in the bench and wave, like I'm all oh, for it. Oh, the U.S. definitely does that too. Let's not kid yeah, ourselves. I'm all for that stuff. I I, yeah. I miss I miss I miss I miss the World Juniors where Canada had to go over to these countries every year almost and play, and no one knew much about anything. I remember those old Nets belter that had the mesh hanging down. <laughs> like those are the best nets ever to score on in, in minor hockey. I think in the world juniors, that was like, you know, those are the kind of nets they're shooting on and you wake up at all hours and it was just such a raw tournament. Like it was just like at its core. And now I feel it's just made for TV thing. And we just hammer it down everybody's throat. And yeah, the U S has had our number in it for the last decade. There's no doubt about it. So yeah, it is what it is. I the the thing that I hated or thought was interesting, sorry, before I get to what I hated, was they had the best player award after the game. Like it just sounded awkward. Like I thought in this day and age you're going to get like the 
you know, the guy who tried really hard or we thought was out there and tried and did real good, and then they give him a wallet. Um, but uh, no, it was like the best player award. I thought that was very not 2020. I was waiting for like someone to start a petition on on Twitter to get it taken down or something. Didn't everybody didn't get ribbons at the end of the game, but and then the thing I hated about the whole ordeal because we we're here this year, so we I watched it all. Was the Quest Trade commercial? Why wouldn't you tell me you love money? that Quest Trade commercial? What was your favorite one? The one that Boz is going to play right now. Coffee? Sure, thanks. It's a great place. I've been saving, but nowhere near a down payment. Yeah, my dad set me up a while back investing with Quest Trade. It was easy. And over time, a man can only hope. <laughs> Dude, come on. Hope is not a plan. Yeah, well, hope is all some of us have. We all don't have a rich dad. We're not trust fund babies, you fucking pigeon. Shove that coffee up your ass. I'm leaving. It's time to switch to Questrade. Brains number one in investor satisfaction by J.D. Power. Learn more at questrade.com. And then how about, coming out of that, how about the uh, Canadian tuxedo? How many times do I have to listen to that old John Hamm? That one, I think, is, that one annoyed me more. I like John Hamm. He's been in some good shows, but... There's like four or five different commercials that, man, they must have paid Bell Media and TSN's, like the amount wow. of the times those commercials air. But I think, I'm sure Shink's got more to say about the Quest Trade commercial before we move too far. No, I know I, he's not uh, leaving it at that. I am actually. I think that probably because, you know, ad dollars and revenues are down so much uh, because of COVID this year that the sponsors, there was less is what my take would be. So then the frequency was higher of the spots. That, buy that. one get one let's go <laughs> yeah basically you'll buy one get one i don't know speaking <laughs> of ad dollars what do you guys think about the nhl branding the divisions there's a lot of people that are way too fired up about that i don't care i could care less yeah. either it's their money yeah, same. They, what they want with it yeah i was thinking they were going to come up with some like cool things based on former players or whatever and then when i saw it i'm like oh yeah like obviously it chance for them to make some dough when revenues are way down totally makes sense why wouldn't a guy you know guys we got uh, kind of carried away here talking about the world juniors and that let's go back to uh quickly to our last shows and it was the greatest uh best hits greatest hits whatever you wanted to call it last show recap for cathedral electric and uh, regina and area honest pricing electrician you got dave spooner and his crew if you're looking for something at the house the cottage the farm cathedral electric they travel and you can find them on facebook or twitter and also gentle procedure saskatchewan they're the no needle no scalpel vasectomy in regina and saskatoon don't take a needle in the nutsack GentleProcedureSaskatchewan.ca. Last show, the greatest hits. Some people had never listened to a lick of us, and they put those things on. I had some good feedback. One of the things that stood out to me was uh, got a lot of love for Kinner's massage story. That honestly got the most uh, laughs, I think. I think it was our buddy uh, Trent from High Tech Profiles. He said his kid, his 11 or 12-year-old kid, thought that the Kinner massage story was a all-timer so that was well, I'll, I'll tell one this pod just for fun to kick the new year off real well it's uh and it's i'm not really fart guy but i actually have uh, a better one than the massage one so i'll tell that one later on this pod oh boy belts uh you know how about you because it's funny because belt there's some of those ones in uh 
in the greatest hits one, you weren't really a part of the the pod yet, right? So it was the first time you had, uh, I guess, heard some of those stories. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was good. I you know I had a lot of good feedback too from people. I wasn't part of those ones. Some of them were good. Hey, I thought Kinner really sh- he he really came out in the in the all time great stories. He's kind of like little quiet Jap guy once in a while, but when you put them all together, man, he really shone the last couple of shows. That's for <laughs> sure. And that's hey, that's kind of the consensus I've got from a lot of people. I think some people thought Kinner actually runs the whole show. You know what? Yeah. Boy, were they ever fooled? <laughs> were they wrong? Samsonite. <laughs> actually, there's a couple comments about Kinner's uh, visor Japs too. Like, uh, yeah, a lot of. You got lots, a lot of love, a lot of love for Kinner. You know what it's like? Uh, it's it's like the uh, the tape you get made and you send to uh, colleges or wherever, you know, that yeah, this is your highlight tape and you put your best stuff on it. Then they come and watch you play live and you're dog shit. <laughs> Why do about six guys pass. are like, are you quitting? Because you just gay went all out. I thought it was a going away party. Hey, that's what I said, too. You're on fire. I'll tell you that right now. You were good. Skinner's, nice Skinner's that player that's got the highlight reel, but uh, if the scouts come see him put the work in, they're going to – he's going <laughs> well, to on a podcast. <laughs> so you think you'd be good at asking people questions, but you're like happy go when he goes to the golf tournament. I'm a uh, hockey player, but I'm – Yeah. No, you're just shit. There's only one problem, Kinner. <laughs> Aren't any good. Ah, uh, that was good. Yeah, it was good times. Uh, we did. It, it was a lot of work to put them together, no doubt about it. But we all uh, chipped in, got them done. So hope the people uh, liked them. Last show recap brought to you again by Cathedral Electric and Gentle Procedures, Saskatchewan. Hey guys, I'm excited about this. Uh, throughout the holidays, I was writing things down. Is like, oh, I got to remember this for a shout out. Got to talk about this. Uh, that two or three week break. Certainly felt uh, like a long time, but shout outs for Synergy AG. They're your local crop input retailer in Saskatchewan. They're big supporters of local. They're big supporters of local hockey at all levels. I know you see their uh, banners in a lot of different rinks, locations in Belcaris, Lumsden, Pence, Yorkton, Govan, and Provost. You can pick up the phone and chat soil and plant analytics with the weapons at Synergy AG. Um, they'll be able to help you out. We're into 2021. Spring seeding is not that far away, farmers. So check out Synergy AG. I'll start with one. I'm sure you guys all have uh, shout outs you want to get to here in the new year. But without a doubt, got to give some love to our friends at Drake Meats and Jerky in a Box, which is their e-commerce company. Tyson Ediger, it's actually uh, his family who runs the company. He's kind of a marketing guy and it's his dad that runs the business, his grandpa who started it, and he sent us all some jerky. I devoured all of mine. It just got, we got it just after Christmas. It was perfect timing. Devoured all of mine between uh, Christmas and New Year's. It was awesome. Did you guys get a chance to try it? Yeah. So here's a little story about the jerky. On my, from my home front here is this, that box comes and it comes in a super slick box and I drop it on the island in the kitchen and I walk away and the wife's like, well, what's this? Not an Amazon box. She looks at she's like, jerky in a box. And she opens it up and she sees all these jerkies. And I come back in like literally five minutes later and the warden's like, where's this from? Who gave it to you? And I'm like, it's Drake Meats. It's one of their companies. Boz got it, tried out. She's like, I need to order this for bingo, 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 and bingo. So it's uh, an awesome gift male teachers, principals, stuff like that. So she's uh she's already thinking about who she can he who she can order it for as an awesome gift. And I didn't even think of that little part that it it's a perfect gift for someone who likes beef jerky. And it's so good. 
I haven't tried the ghost pepper yet. Is it hot? Uh, it is, yeah. I can only have one little piece at a time. It's probably good for my uh Roman like the the ghost pepper. I was I, I was like, wow. Yeah, I'm soft, but we ate all ours in a couple of days. The ghost pepper one's still in the deep freeze. Nobody's nobody's man enough around here to try it, even with my new haircut. But uh <laughs> but yeah, we'll get her devoured here sooner or later. But that stuff did not last long. It was fantastic. So yeah, big I heard the jerky was scared of you and was hiding in the deep freeze. <laughs> I uh jacked up diesel <laughs> i had to hand a little bit off to some friends i gave away three or four packets because i'm like i'm gonna eat all of this in a couple days being a solo uh solo guy here so yeah i hopefully people you know if you're looking at getting some jerky it was great for the holidays but good for any occasion check them out uh drakemeats.com and then jerky in a box is its own little separate e-commerce company you can only buy those boxes online so check them out online and place an order <laughs> You could have gave those to your gals as a parting gift, like Jeter used to give, like a little care package. <laughs> you get the Buffalo Ranch, <laughs> and here's a Monday Nooner flag. Oh, here's, hey, you get the ghost pepper. Here's you a sticker, some jerky, a hat, and a koozie. <laughs> uh, all right, hey boys, I'm gonna give a shout out right now. I know you guys think I'm a nerd, especially Boz, because I'm. Uh, I, I do a lot of collecting. I like to collect stuff. Um, and I got sports, mem- sports memorabilia stuff. And I was in to a place in the Northgate Mall. Their, their new business, they've moved up there, Sports World Collectibles. I'm just going to give them a quick shout out. You know what? Support local again. Uh, go in and check those guys out if you need any sports collectible stuff. Their prices are cheaper than anywhere online, Amazon, everywhere. I looked. Trust me. I checked it out. And they are legit. So, yeah, a little shout out to them. And uh, go give them a, a look and support local. I have a guy from Yorkton, Lee Rusnak. A big shout out to Lee. He had a huge deal in us getting uh, Mr. Stoll on. So thank you so much, Lee. Uh, Stefan Gloa, uh, former from the, uh, again, Fort Capel, I think, area, now living in Edmonton. Uh, likes his uh, OV. Sent us a picture by his uh, hockey rink with his OV. He's a. Uh, He's listening to the pod. Uh, Trent Ulmer, another Alberta listener. Uh, he had a fantastic gas station etiquette question on uh, Twitter over the holidays. It was awesome. So Trent Ulmer, heck of a snapshot. Good hockey player. Thanks for tuning in. And, uh, Boz, you know this guy. I don't know how to say his last name. But you know him too, K- Kinner. Uh, Pete Krulius, Uh used to play other Friday uh, Nooner. Well, how do you say ATM his last name? guy. How do you say his last name? Pete. He owns the uh, Mr. Sub. Yes, I believe. He owns the Mr. Sub Close in uh, Norman View. Uh, went in there. He's such a nice guy. And uh, yeah, we started talking about the pod, and uh, he's been listening, and he he can't believe it. He loves it. So those are my shout outs uh, over the well, break. Well, Pete's listening right now. He's probably 15 minutes late. <laughs> yeah. Show up halfway through a skate, guy, and then have fresh, fresh legs. The, he got the cheap freshest shotted. of legs. He got cheap shotted. Hadn't, he hasn't played hockey in a year. Some guy in adult safe cheap shotted him. Oh man, wow. he banged his wrist like up bad. Yeah, yeah that's what yeah. it was. Yeah, some freaking we we you know when we did our top twenty uh, rack hockey, it was like Johnny Tryhard or whatever, and yeah, banged him up real bad. Scouts in the stands, guy. Shoutouts for Synergy AG. Uh, do you want? Let's get. Let's go to uh, Boz, and maybe you can talk about this uh, the Elk Ridge promo that we had and contest. So we gave away a two night stay. In a cabin in Elk Ridge this winter, uh, all the resort fees and everything, which that includes your cross-country skis and your snow, and it is beautiful up there. We were lucky enough to snag a spot for a couple days over the holidays. It was so nice. They have a huge oval 
and then hockey rinks inside it and it lights at night and lights on the oval. Like it's just, it was, it wasn't like you were in Saskatchewan. That's like the thing that a lot of people were saying that we were with, but yeah. So we thought we'd maybe get a couple hundred entries for this two, two nights in Elk Ridge. And thanks to Ryan Danberg for, for hooking us up there. And then Boz, you take it from here. Yeah, well, we just, you know, thought we'd do something nice, give somebody a little getaway to an awesome Sasky place, and, you know, hopefully one of our listeners gets it and is able to enjoy it. And so we put it out on all of our social medias, not really knowing, like you said, what to expect. But Facebook was crazy. Like, how many people entered this giveaway on Facebook? I think the number was, uh, I think it was seen by like a quarter of a million people on Facebook. And like all these people are liking our page and not to stereotype people by their Facebook profile picture, but I'm like, pretty sure Carol ain't listening to the pod. And then like all these other people. And it really just, it snowballed on all platforms. I think we had over 5,000, uh, people enter and got a lot of new followers on all platforms. And hopefully some of these people uh, started following us and maybe it'll lead to them tuning into the podcast. But uh, I thought it was really cool to see all that exposure for Elkridge because it, it's such a unique, awesome uh, Saskatchewan place. So, And then from about 6,000 miles away, we had a few gentlemen wanted, they started up a nooner page and they gave them a, a little bit extra love. <laughs> so we had to try to shut that down as quick as we could. And uh, yeah, so they got extra play there for sure. Well, we all had to press, send them a cease and assist, and then they were done. Yeah, it, yeah, it was nice to hand one out instead assist. of give one, instead of get one. Sorry. So, and and a couple of my friends, we've never done anything like this, but a couple of friends who run like company social media pages, like yeah, that happens on Facebook. You get those bots or whatever they are that pretend to be you and we probably got 30 messages from people being like, is this legit? Did we win? It's like, no, you, no, you didn't. We but wouldn't craziest, ask for your credit card number. The craziest part is, is when you report it to Facebook and they send you a message back saying, oh no, there's nothing wrong with this. No, but we are the guys. This is our thing. And they're like, no, doesn't matter. We don't care. It's like, it's, it's so ridiculous. Isn't it, isn't it fucking so brutal? And yeah, just the pigeons that are, that are working there. Like you don't care. Like, what are you talking about? Oh, that that frustrated me more than anything. But Zuckerberg told you to take a seat. Take a <laughs> seat, son. Yeah. Take a seat, son. I don't, I don't care know. how much money Zuckerberg has. I would pump his eyes shut. I'd wager my mortgage on it. But anyway, thanks to everybody for uh, entering. I, I don't know what else, Boz. You want to? Well, I was just going to say after. Uh... All these 5,000 entries, we did the draw, took a little bit more work than we expected, getting all those uh, names numbered and, and that kind of thing. So yeah. after all of that, we found our winner, and his name is Darcy Rafoss, and I believe he lives in Winyard, Saskatchewan. Big Winyard, senior yeah. hockey guy, which was awesome, and he's tuned into the pod, which is all right extra on. awesome that uh, one of our pod listeners is going up to Elkridge for a couple nights. And... I think uh, we got to go up as a crew, at least the three of us. Anyway, um, we got to go up and uh, See belts. play play some puck up you there. You need some muscle up there. I couldn't. Uh, we couldn't go to the Wild, uh, the new restaurant and bar up there. But yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward. I think we got to go even in the winter here. A little a little uh, getaway, right? Uh, recharge the batteries because we've had such we'll a call it a team building event and the good thing about it is it is winter so belts can toss a toque on 
Kenner will be bugging everybody up there about how much wine, wine they're drinking and their favorite bottles, so you know nothing will change. <laughs> the only question. Uh, let's get into hey, the I'm interview. Sean, what's your name? Do you drink wine? <laughs> cool. So, yeah. Have you ever talked to John Paddock, or do you know anybody who's typed for John Paddock? <laughs> Huh, really? Well, good talking to you. See you later, big golfs. <laughs> People that have no idea they're turning in for the first time. They're like, what are this these? This is my in? cousin Shaney. Hung out with Ray Bork once. Just ask him. <laughs> hey, I, was his, I was his line mate. I made his career. Uh, let's get into the interview, <laughs> you pigeons here. And the interview, boys, for uh, a new guy. Some of us know him. He's an absolute beauty. Kent Bittner and Bittner Mortgages. 20 years experience in the mortgage game. He can help you out. doesn't matter where you live. They can help you out. Kent and his team at Bittner Mortgages, they're going to take care of you. Getting a mortgage uh, from a bank is like old school, right? It's like using a pay phone. It's, don't do it. Do the bank's uh, big F you and get a mortgage broker and the Bittner team working for you. Guaranteed they're probably going to save you money. I can almost guarantee that. Trust me. Look them up. Find them. Bittner Mortgages, thanks to Kent Bittner. So our interview He's got the resume. He's he's won, he's won a few things, I guess you can say. Uh, where do we start with winning in like Bantam? He talks about national championship or Western Canadian championship yeah. in Bantam. Wagon head there. Then he wins. Uh, never won a triple A midget, but he gets into the triple A midget thing. It's great. Then he wins in the WHL. Then uh, his NHL career, hell of a heck of a career, wins two with the Los Angeles Kings and now uh, still works for the Los Angeles Kings as he talks right off of the start of this interview. Ladies and gentlemen, Sasky gentlemen and Mr. Aaron Andrews, Jarrett Stoll. Okay, so yeah, Jarrett, um, you know, one thing that I guess a guy asked me yesterday and he kind of said, hey, you, you really got to get into what these guys are doing now. And I'm like, well, we usually kind of do that at the end of these podcasts. But just for our fans and people in Saskatchewan, what is Jared Stoll up to now? Obviously, you're working with the Los Angeles Kings. Yeah, so I'm in, I'm in a player development role with, with the Kings. And uh, it's, it's exactly what I wanted to do um, post-career. So lucky enough, fortunate enough to get in uh, back here with the Kings. Our, our GM at the time, Dean Lombardi, he was... Uh, we had a good relationship, so he, he brought me back right away. And um, it's great, man. Since, you know, from the moment the kids get drafted, you know, we all go to the draft, our staff, and then uh, the kids come up to the to the, our suite. We get to meet them. We get to meet their parents and their grandparents, brothers, sisters. And, you know, we get them drinks and food and stuff like that. And then pretty much two or three days later, we have a development camp. All the kids fly to L.A. here. We have a camp for about 10 days. And that's kind of where it starts for these guys. And. And for us, our relationship with them. Um, so it's, it's pretty cool. We work with them uh, on a regular basis. If some of these kids are playing in uh, major junior or the NCAA, we go and we go and see them once or twice a month. Uh, some guys are go back over to Europe. So we go, go see them there. Um, and then our minor league team is here in LA. It's in Ontario, California, which is about 45 minutes uh, outside of downtown. So yeah, we kind of got the best of best of everything. We get to uh, hands on with these guys and, Try to make them NHL players. So are you uh, are you working with these kids to be face-off specialists? Is that your forte? I'm doing some of that. Yeah, some of that. It's uh, These kids got a lot to learn, that's for sure. But, um, <laughs> hey, Jared, is there anyone currently in the system or in camp at the moment that would give Austin Wagner a run for his money in a straightaway without a puck? Nobody yet. No, nobody. <laughs> uh, we got. We just signed a guy that might be close, though, Anthony Sio out of uh, – he was in Edmonton last yeah. year, I believe, and then Detroit. But um, yeah, I used to work with the Pats, so he was uh, he was something else. His speed yeah. was phenomenal. 
<laughs> got absolutely no finish. We're working on working on. <laughs> he doesn't realize how fast he is, man. He's he's getting he gets all these breakaways, but um, this year coming up, if you're watching the Kings games and he gets a breakaway, just remember we're trying to get yeah. him to we're trying to get him to shoot <laughs> further out. Because he, he doesn't realize how fast he is, and by the time he does, he's on top of the goal. So it's like, man, you got no you got no angle. You don't have the hands to actually make moves. So just <laughs> shoot it. Like he just has to shoot it. So if, that's what we're trying to teach. Way. Uh, let's let's go back. Let's get into some fun stuff here. So everyone kind of always you know Jared stole from Yorkton from Melville, but you're actually like Newdorf was kind of where where it all began for you. Now, obviously, Dick Assman's the most popular person ever from Newdorf. He was on the Dave Letterman show and all that. Name the other NHLers from uh, Newdorf, Jarrett. Ryan Prop and uh, Litzenberger. That's right. That's right. So, uh, how how like how many years did you play in in Newdorf, or did did you play in Newdorf, or was it always like a Melville kind um, of thing? Yeah, no, I started hockey, started skating. Um, Newdorf, obviously, a small town, about two hundred. 50-ish people so you know we made the we made the ice every every winter a group of us and my dad and all of his buddies and all of us kids would go and make it so um obviously ice time wasn't an issue going there so i learned to skate there and i think it was probably my first year maybe two years of organized hockey with with kids from local uh or towns around the area so um you know make a couple teams here and there and then play some games so that was kind of where i started and then I played one year in Melville, uh, novice, I think one year in Melville and then, uh, cause I was born in Melville and then we moved to Yorkton. Uh, I think I was in grade three or four, we moved to Yorkton. So I, I grew up and pretty much call my hometown Yorkton, but you know, born in Melville and, uh, you know, Newdorf is where my, my parents grew up, my grandpa and grandma grew up. What, what did, uh, what did your parents do? Cause that's one thing we always kind of ask the Sasky boys. My, uh, my dad worked for Pioneer Grain Company, um, for about 40 years. So. Uh, yeah, I would I would go visit him at work at the elevator and then, you know, shovel wheat and barley into the bin. So that was kind of my first job growing up. Um, so, yeah, and my mom took care of us and drove us around to, to all the rinks and all the towns. So. so I think I think how I understand it is, is your brother is about three years older uh, than you. So that's one of those things where we see it a lot. And I, I got a nine year old right now. And, you know, his buddies that have older brothers, they're always playing shinny together and they're all that. So. And in those small towns, I guess when we talk to Kelly Chase and, and Nick Schultz and those guys, like you're, you're always probably playing up three years, right? When they're short a guy, you're playing with these guys. Uh, that must have been so key for develop, you know, development as a young kid. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. It was, you know, there's not many kids around in that town, so you try to try to make a team any way you can, and uh, it doesn't matter the age group really. Uh, like you said, like you know, Chaser, that all those guys are are in that similar situation. So yeah, you learn to, to play and whether it was baseball or, or hockey, those are the two sports I played. So um, yeah, that's, I think it helped, you know, I think it, you know, it, you're still at a young age though too. So it, uh, I think it helps, but it's not like you're, uh, you know, 16 playing against 19 year old uh, either. So. so your dad, your dad coached you up until what age? Uh, up until we moved to Saskatoon till I was uh, 15. Yeah. So um, right up until Bantam, Bantam AA in Yorkton and, um, yeah, we had a great, great teams growing up and fun guys. It was a, it was a great, great place to grow up and play. And then we moved to Saskatoon and then it was kind of, you know, passed me on. <laughs> 
So we always like to ask guys, you know, when they were growing up, who the studs were and everybody we asked in your age group said you, I think Hartsy said your name, Nick Schultz said your name about who the biggest stud was uh, in those years. So who are some of the other guys that you remember that uh, I guess were pushing you throughout those minor hockey years? Well, I'll go right back at him, all those guys for sure. Um, but also uh, Mike Bubnick. I don't know if you guys uh, know that name. He was from Esterhazy and, um, you know, minor hockey. Esterhazy, another small town, but they put they put together some good teams. And, and Mike was uh, a huge part of that. He was he was a he was a big he was already a man when we were like 13 years old, 14 years old. And I'm sure maybe you guys have heard of the. You know the the legend of this guy in, in, on a baseball field and how, how long how far he could hit a home run at that age and we played baseball together growing up we kind of went uh you know played in melville together with good teams in melville and then we you know we'd get picked up some some years to play nationals if we we got beat by a certain team you could have call-ups right so um they usually picked up me and mike and so we we were really close back then and our parents were close and you know this guy he was every sport just baseball and hockey same thing his slap shot was probably 100 mile an hour when he was 14 so one of those guys um that uh, for sure at the top of the list i wanted to ask about the baseball because some of those guests said too you were just an unbelievable baseball player like i know kip simon one of our buddies played ball here he said you were unreal as a kid uh was baseball ever a, like a go-to for you or could you have maybe played some some college ball or anything like that um I don't know for maybe a little bit. It was, I was, I loved baseball. I loved, uh, you know, throwing the ball around and, um, I was a lefty. So I, I pitched and I played first base, but, um, no, I think I always knew that I would want to go hockey and, and take that, take that route. But, um, our coach in Melville had some good connections with a couple of the teams in, in major league baseball. Atlanta Braves was one of them. So there was always talk there, but no, I, I pretty much knew what I wanted to do. Do you, uh, not to jump ahead here, but you know, you've, you've been in LA a long time and I'm sure your connections with, uh, with the Dodgers or maybe the angels, have you ever gone, you know, been able to get out and, and take some batting practice or take some cuts at the big league parks? Yeah. Yeah. We did that, especially with the Dodgers, not, not so much the angels. That's, uh, that would be the Anaheim ducks side of things with the angels. And it's, it's kind of funny. Ours, ours is with the Dodgers. So, um, yeah, they're, they're good guys and they, um, they're much like us. I would say the, the baseball guys are pretty cool and down to earth guys. Um, so every year we do have a Dodgers night or Dodgers day and, you know, before the game, go on the field with them, do batting practice, go in the, in the dugout, um, their locker room, all that kind of stuff. And after we won, we took the cup there and, uh, it was a funny story. Matt Green, a buddy of mine who played in Edmonton with came over here together. He, um, when we took the cup there, I think it was in 12, uh, we were there early, and so he went and went right in their locker room, just found all the all the uniforms, found all the gear, and he got totally suited up. And he had even those, remember those blue and white things that they'd wear around their neck? And uh, he had the, the batting gloves on, the wrist guards on, the hat. Uh, he had the eye black on. And during the game, actually, he would actually stand on the dugout and how, you know, they rest their arms on the foam pads or whatever. Um, he was one of those guys doing that. I don't, I don't know for how many innings he did it for, but like, he, did, he doesn't give a shit. So um, that's kind of, that was, it was one of the funny stories about the Dodgers and uh, us hanging out with them and just feeling comfortable. They were, they were, they were okay with it. That's, that's ballsy. That'd be good. That'd be good interview, uh, good video to see something, uh, something like that. Okay. So now going back, um, you moved to Saskatoon. So this is kind of where I start you know, hearing about Jared Stoll and, and playing and, you know, covering uh, triple image and whatnot. 
I always wondered why you didn't play um, in Yorkton, but your family moved to Saskatoon? Yeah, my dad got transferred uh, to Saskatoon that year um, to a terminal outside of Saskatoon. So we were moving. Actually, my, my dad started that job um, during the Bantam season the year before. So he was driving from Yorkton to uh, Saskatoon like almost on a daily basis. And so I, I stayed in Yorkton for that uh to finish off that year because we had a great Bantam team and, and we actually won the whole thing in Bantam that year. So uh, I just stayed with a buddy on the team and uh, you know one of my good friends and we just we went to high school together. So um, yeah, so we were moving and uh, you know, we ended up moving, but um, I did spend uh, you know half a year in Yorkton while we while my dad was already so, working in Saskatoon. So the the Blazers must have been like foaming at the mouth, being like, "Wow, look what just landed." Uh, it was there. Was there a struggle? I guess between the Blazers and the contacts to to get Jarrett Stoll. Um, I just remember my my dad and Ken Sachs hit it off, yeah. and uh, and Ken back then was um, you know he was he was the Blazers. He was a very very classy guy, and um, you know so he yeah I guess that was the main reason. Um, I got along with him, and he more importantly got along with my dad. Uh, so I just, yeah, yeah, picked them on, on paper. Like, I don't know how you guys did there. I kind of got, I got in touch with some of the guys that you played against that were on the contacts and they were saying like, I think you were 15, right. And, and you were just unbelievable, but you got on paper, you guys have a good team. Cause you have like Garrett Bembridge, Rod Serrett, Shane Endicott, Endo, like we've, he's been brought up on this pod a lot. And then talk about West side Greece. You got Warren Peters, Jamie Fico, <laughs> Justin Holmes, and then the Bash brothers, Chet Cameron and Lincoln Beaudry. Like, were those guys smoking between periods? <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, that's funny. You're bringing up a lot of those names. Yeah, geez, that's uh, – we did. We had a great team on paper. Cole Army, Colby Armstrong as well. And, um, yeah, it was funny. A lot of us lived on the east side, and then you had those wackos on the west side. And um, they were great guys. Yeah, nobody wanted to, you know, to line up against them. They were kind of the like the Bash brothers or the Hanson brothers, whatever you want to call them. And, I remember Chet in practice. Chet would always give me a hard time. I was the rookie, and you know he was uh, the big bad veteran. He would always be slashing my skate. I had white skates that year, and I, don't know, I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> I don't know. I had these new CCM white skates, and he would just keep slashing them every practice, trying to get them like trying to mark them up. And I just that was one of his ways of uh, kind of hazing me a little bit by slashing my skates every practice. So, yeah, they were great guys, though, great players, and yeah, we lost I think in the first round to. North Battleford, I believe. Um, back then, they were best of fives, and uh, we lost three in a row. I don't know what, what we were doing, but we, uh, yeah, we, we didn't make it. Talk about Ralph Clausen. Uh, you know, the, the late Ralph Clausen, uh, fan, fantastic coach. Guys that played for him, you know, really liked him. He must have, uh, I guess, h- helped your development quite a bit. He was a guy that would smoke in between periods. <laughs> yeah, always, Ralph. He was always darting. Yeah, um, he was awesome, man. I. Uh, he obviously had experience in the NHL, uh, so played a lot of games. So he he knew what it what it took to to be a pro. Um, certain things coming to the rink and um, having that dedication and that push and the sacrifice and being a good teammate. Um, those are some of the things that, that he taught me at that age. Uh, my dad taught me a lot of things, obviously, but Ralph, uh, you know, because basically the second coach I've ever had um, and a guy that, that uh, was experienced like that in, in the pro game. So yeah, he helped me a lot two way kind of game too, not just putting up points and, and, and that kind of thing and worrying about the one side of the game. He, he taught me a lot defensively and, and the importance of that. Um, 
but just, yeah, I guess probably the number one thing that comes to mind is just about being a pro and taking things seriously every single practice. And, um, you practice how you play, those types of things. So had you not made it in hockey, what was your belly? Like, what would, as a kid, what did you want to be? Or did you just always want to be a hockey player? Yeah, I think just always hockey. Um, I loved, like I said, baseball, but um, yeah, if I didn't, I don't know, man. I'd still be probably trying to figure it out. But Shoveling uh, grain? Shoveling grain, yeah, maybe. Yeah, Farming <laughs> somewhere, actually, probably. So for our listeners, like th- this is something crazy here because he's a 15-year-old playing AAA midget, 45 goals, 44 assists in 44 games at 15. Like that is that's a number right there. And then you get called up for uh, to play with Edmonton, WHL, and you had two goals and three assists in eight games at 15. I'm thinking, as an outsider here, like those years of playing up against your brother's age and all that, like that maybe had to give you the confidence, like, yeah, these guys are older, but you know what, I can still, uh, I can still do my thing. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, it was just, I remember it was a little overwhelming. You know, you're, you're against guys that are, you know, 20-year-old players at that point. They're four or five years older than you. So that's a, that's a big, big difference at that stage. But, um, no, I just, I was confident. I think growing up, I was always confident. I don't think I was cocky or overconfident. But just, I knew I believed in my game. And I knew I could, you know, put up points and score goals and, and, and shoot the puck and certain things that I, I knew I was good at. And I just tried to do that. Um, and I got a lot of good, I got opportunity too. So I was first overall pick. So it helped, it helped mm-hmm. me. They wanted to give me every opportunity possible. And, and I just tried to take advantage of it. Any funny stories from those, you know, if you, I know it's a long time ago, those eight games that you got called up, you probably got the full shield on you're, you're yeah. twirling out there. Like any, any memories of like the butterflies or guys that were on the ice that were like men. Um, yeah, I just remember those old iTech, uh, those iTech that would always fog up those shields. Yeah. Um, we used to, they used to play the two, they're only there for two years, the Edmonton Ice, but they played in the Agricom, it was called, right across from the Northlands Coliseum. So it held about 4,000 people, maybe. It was a good little junior rink. Um, but yeah, I remember the first, uh, they hadn't won very many games at all that year. And I think they were in the middle of like a 22 game losing streak or something like that. It was, it was over 20. I know that. And then, uh, my first game, we actually ended up winning. So it had like a, goal and maybe two assists and it was the first win in a long time so that was that's one of the main things i remember too and then uh they did play the odd game in in northlands and then they they played a game there and and i scored a goal in northlands so that was pretty cool just you know you see all the oiler banners up up in the rafters and then you got the score goal my my last question your midget years in saskatoon i I don't know if this uh if this guy's name rings a bell but uh halderson uh you know what do you remember about haldy well, we played uh, together kind of growing up a little bit, played in Bantam my last year in Yorkton. We, uh, we played, he was a good player, man. He was, uh, you know, he wasn't the fastest skater and he wasn't the lightest player on the ice either, but uh, he, he was good, man. He, he was a smart player, put up a lot of points and um, we followed him to, to Saskatoon. He played some games with the blades and I watched him there as well. So he was a year, yeah, a year older than me, but uh, he still DMs me every once in a while on social media and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, Holdy's a good guy, good man. So then, obviously, uh, the Edmonton Ice turns into the Kootenay Ice, and you have a nice long career there. You win a couple championships uh, there, of course, the Memorial Cup at the, the first, the WHL championship. Where do those memories 
stack up, I guess. You got a couple Stanley Cups, but where do those dub memories and those championships? You know, they're championships you can obviously put in the same category, but junior is junior and you're you're going to school, you're on the bus, you're you're unpacking your equipment at two in the morning and minus twenty five degree weather and just those memories on the bus and sleeping on the floor of the bus on the on road trips and um you know you gotta you gotta deal with a lot you know you gotta manage and, and figure out school and then playing hockey and practices every day and um but no it was it was great i still talk to a lot of uh, a lot of my junior teammates i'm still in contact with my billet family um all four years i, I lived with the same family so um you know they came to my wedding and we were uh yeah we still they came to my cup parties so that, that's that's cool and it, it was a great town to play hockey into at cranbrook it was the size of Yorkton, about um, you know, 15, 16,000 people. So um, that was a great place to, to play and, and kind of somewhat grow up for four years too. Uh, so that was, it was fun times. The whole town got behind us. It was, uh, there was not much going on, you know, sports-wise in that town. So uh, we also had the benefit of that. It's, it's too bad they couldn't make it work there, right, Jared? Because it seemed like yeah. they had, they had so many good teams there for the years and they got the support. But I remember, like we were talking with these guys earlier, going to call a game, you guys played Swift Current. And although it was like the, you know, semifinals, the, the rink wasn't jammed. Like it was full, but it wasn't jammed. Um, is it, you know, it's, it's just too bad. And is it maybe because it was just a little bit too small? Uh, possibly. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. Um, yeah, I'm still kind of, you know, pissed off to this day that they had to, they, they did move because it's, uh, you know, that town, I think, deserves hockey there. Um, you know, built that new, new, beautiful new building. It seats like 4,200 people. And again, a perfect size for, for junior hockey. And then, and then, you know, we won there. So, you know, fans got behind us. And you're right, they, they struggled with the support the last little while. But when we were there and winning, it, uh, it was great. We had 35,000, uh, 35,000, 3,500, and then uh, sold out in the finals and stuff like that so uh, they're just great memories and yeah it's too bad they're in winnipeg now but um i think cranbrook ended up getting a junior a team um just just now just recently so at least they do have hockey now in that building but um not the organization that uh, it's pretty sad you're fortunate enough to uh get to play on two world junior teams um you know didn't get to win a gold unfortunately but like that first year and we when you look on both of these teams on paper, like some of the names, like uh, amazing, um, your world junior experiences, you know, what, what do you, is there, is there any maybe funny, uh, stories that you remember? Cause we talked to Schultz and I think it was the one, where were they playing? Czechoslovakia? Czechs, yeah. Yeah. And he was just like, anywhere you guys went, you guys are snapping pictures with rockets and it was just like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. We were like just head on a swivel. Like eyes were just, blowing out of our head like we were on the bus i remember that everybody was on one side of the bus and everybody's on the other side of the bus and it was like what's going on here um yeah just kind of just trying to figure it out on our own like being in a different different culture country like that um obviously we're there to play hockey but it's just like you know you're experiencing the food and um you know the different types of people and the language um yeah like with those teams you're you know, some people, some of the guys that play in, in the same league in WHL or OHL or whatever, but, you know, coming together so quick, quickly as a team, not only just to play hockey, but kind of as a family and because you're spending Christmas together. So 
um, you know, you're, you're opening little gag gifts, little, uh, you know, Christmas presents for each other. And you don't really know the guy very well, but you, <laughs> you become to know them, you know, as, as best friends pretty quick. Um, we would always have a guy over there that would, you know, come and dress up as Santa Claus. He was always, well, whoever was the biggest, uh, biggest manager or coach <laughs> or trainer or whatever, like, Hey man, you gotta, it's your time. Here's the, here's the, here's the suit. So, um, just, just fun, fun times like that. And then you go your separate ways at the end of it. And it's kind of sad to be honest. Um, cause you're together for about at least three weeks, maybe almost a month. And, um, you experience a lot together. Well, yeah, I was just going to ask not to bring up bad memories, but what you remember from your second year, you were the captain of that team. And, uh, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think you guys were ahead and then, uh, yeah, Russia came back and yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a tough, that was awful. I, I still get ticked off about that one. It was, I think it was closer to the end of the second. We were up three, one against Russia. That tournament, I think was in part of Biche, uh, Czech Republic, I believe that, that tournament. And, um, yeah, we had a great team and uh, the Russians, they had a great team as well, obviously getting there. So, um, yeah, we just kind of let it slip away and, you know, gave up uh, the 3-2 goal, and then they, they tied it and went ahead, like maybe halfway through the third. So what I remember about that game was probably, you know, something I'll never forget is getting our medal and then Russia, the Russians getting their medal, and we're standing on the blue line. And as the Russians were getting their medal, and they would, they would come right over to us and skate right by us and then, like, you know, show us the medal. Some of the players would take off their medal and, like, come and, like, kind of tease us with it and, I know we're younger, but I just, I'll never forget that. It just still kind of eats at me. So can you imagine if a guy did that nowadays, he'd get blown up on social media in oh, five yeah. seconds. Surprise yeah. back then. Some sasky people just didn't pump their eyes in. Wow. We were like, yeah, I had my stick in my hand. I just, yeah, it was, it was close. It was close, man. Your rosters there. And some of those guys that you played with, like you said, you don't know these guys really, right? You kind of, you hear about them and all that. Was there on those two teams specifically, when you go back, do you remember like going to camp or going where obviously you know heard so much about like a Jason Spatz or somebody, and all of a sudden you get there and you're like, wow, yeah, this is the, the, this guy's a real deal or anything like that? Uh, yeah, Spatz was one of those guys for sure. Um, Mike Camilleri, Jay Bomeister, uh, who else was on those teams? Rafi, Rafi Torres, um, you know, being an OHL boy. Um, but me, it was me, Otter, and Brian Sutherby, um, who I know I knew Suds a little bit. He played Moose Jaw, so. Uh, we were the, the the checking line. We were the we were the line to get out there against, you know, whoever the Russians top line or, or whoever. So I I remember a little bit of a funny story about that. We played France in our first game and we we won fifteen nothing, and none of us had a point. <laughs> so it was it was terrible. I'm like yeah, we shut down, we shut them down, but we didn't. <laughs> so that was tough. But then the rest of the tournament, we almost we almost like led our team in scoring. And, Camilleri had like seven or eight points that first game. And then I think some of us actually tied him in the tournament scoring. So it'd be like the John Keane special in Abbey. You're like hammering at the goalie's glove and you're up 15 goals just trying to get one. Oh, the last like five minutes of the third, like we were just trying so hard, but we also felt so bad for ourselves. And like, like, what is going on? We're terrible. Uh, yeah, we love asking guys about uh, draft day memories and uh, that, but a little bit different for you, obviously, uh, getting drafted twice. Uh, take us through that, I guess, and let's go back to the the first time you got drafted and it was to Calgary there. Yeah, yeah, that was in 2000. Um, it was great because it's the closest place to, to Saskatchewan and where I grew up, right? So I had a lot of 
lot of family and aunts and uncles there and cousins there. So uh, I didn't know where I was going to go. I was kind of ranked um, like around 25 ish. So it was like either going in the first round or, or second round. So, um, you know, it was too bad at the time because they, you know, they had the first round in day one and then all the other rounds um, in day two, which they still do to this day. But so I went in the second round. So I kind of had to wait around for a while. First round takes like three and a half, four hours. So I'm just sitting there on my whole family and, so kind of sucked that way, but then getting, getting drafted obviously was, was the main goal. And, um, then going to Calgary in Calgary, um, going to Cowboys that night. Um, <laughs> Why wouldn't a guy being one of those guys? So, um, yeah, it was, it was cool. It just didn't, uh, didn't work out with them with, uh, with signing and they had a lot of guys to sign before me and it kind of was, was pretty obvious. So I just, uh, Deadline came and went with uh, with the Flames. What's that? Uh, I guess what's that like for a young guy? Like you're obviously just happy to get drafted, and at the time probably excited. But then you know to go through that and not sign and go back into the draft. Like, was that a stressful time for you, or you just rolled with the punches? Or yeah, it was because it was a weird thing that happened. Um, I don't know if you you guys know what happened, but it was I think it was June first or something like that was the deadline, um, and my agent say it was three o'clock Eastern time, whatever. It was like 245, 250. And my agent had a deal worked out with Toronto for Calgary to trade me to Toronto, my rights. And then we had a, like a signing bonus and a contract already sorted out with Toronto. So I remember I was in Cranbrook um, at my junior team's office with my coach, Ryan McGill at the time. And, you know, it's like three minutes before the deadline, two minutes before the deadline, and the contract wasn't coming yet. And it finally came. And I signed it and we just, we faxed it in probably like 10 times because it was just, it was, it was right on the deadline and the NHL registry, they, uh, they voided it. They declined it. So now I had to go back in the draft. I had no other option. Um, wow. So then again, like Calgary, uh, you know, it was a funny story. Edmonton picked me and then uh, Calgary had the pick after Edmonton. So I was like, Oh man, what's going to happen? <laughs> can, this, can this happen again? But um, Mike Comrie at the time, I, I played with him in junior and, uh, I didn't go to the second draft. It was in Toronto. So I just, I stayed in Saskatoon because I, I lived there in the summers. And I just remember sitting on the couch watching the draft at my condo. And um, MC called me and he goes, I just talked to Kevin. They're going to, they're going to take you with the next pick here. So I pretty much knew that Edmonton was going to pick me. So that was, that was cool. I was just going to ask you, who did you, uh, who did you cheer for when you were a kid? Like, cause you were with Calgary, almost went to Toronto or Edmonton. Do you cheer for any of those teams as a kid? I cheered for the Philadelphia Flyers. It okay. was um, Yorkton was our like you know black, orange, and white, yeah, you know, those yeah. colors. And then my dad went to school with Brian Props, so um, we always followed Brian around and kind of kept in touch with uh, with him. And whenever they'd go to Winnipeg, we would always go watch watch him play. Uh, and then he was with uh, Minnesota too, so we went and watched uh, when he was with the North Stars. So. So, so the fax machine story, like I love that story. I remember hearing it back in the day. Was there ever another, like, what did the NHL office say? Like, they can't let a guy slide, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's like probably within a minute. It probably was there within a minute. So it's like, you know, you got this 18-year-old kid. And it's like, come on, man. Just give him a give him a chance, right? But I guess they're pretty serious about it. And uh, thank God it worked out with Edmonton. Have you ever heard anyone else have that problem? Like back in the day, I guess, when fax machines were the thing? I, I think Kyle Wanvig, who I, again, played with in junior, I think that happened to him um, maybe three or four years before me. Yeah. that um, we, actually, we actually had that happen with the Pats the one year. I think it was the year we went to the finals. We had a trade to go through, and the same thing, the 
fax didn't get it there in time. Really? <laughs> Who's fucking using a fax? Not, even like the Pat days back then, I can see, right? Yeah, this but, was like three, three years ago. Years ago. That have been, Sean? Like Wait, three years ago. Fun? Yeah, it'd have been uh, sixteen, seventeen. Okay. You kind of mentioned your condo in uh, in Saskatoon, and I, I was talking to Army, and uh, he had some stories that we'll just kind of leave on the cutting room floor. But uh, what do you remember about the Gemini Summer League and some of those awesome teams and uh, that were dangling it there? Yeah, those were some good games, man. It was uh, the Huskies had a really good team. They would always they would always keep their team together. I think it was three on three, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure. Um, and it always started at the end of June. So we were like by training camp when training camp started in, uh, in September. Like we'd already been skating. It was like one once to twice a week and. They were fun games, man. It was uh, it was great to go out there. It was always me and me and Schultze, Kobe, um, Endicott, Garrett Prasovsky. He was a, he was a, he was sick back then, so he was on our team. And uh, yeah, it was fun. Roddy Sarich, yeah. the Blazer guys. Yeah. And then uh, and then where where was who won out or which uh, tavern won out? Usually was it Bailey's or the Pat? Uh, I think it was the Pat. <laughs> But Bailey's Bailey's was my golf tournament. That, those were those days. So yeah. uh, the, Pat, the Pat or the Sutherland, I guess, too. So first year uh, after a great career in, in Kootenay with Edmonton, you play four games with, with the big club. Were those at the start of the year or the end of the year? Um, kind of in the middle. I think maybe around February, January, February, they had some injuries. So, yeah, I got uh, I was playing in Hamilton, their, their minor league team, and then, yeah, I was called up for four games and then sent back down. Yeah. What do you, what do you remember about the call? Um, yeah, I just remember I had to get there. It was the same day. No, it wasn't actually, it was the day before. So I had a, I didn't have to fly across country and, uh, and strap them on. But, uh, the first game was against, uh, the Minnesota wild. Um, my line mates were Jason Chimera and George LaRock. So Heavies. I, could, uh, I could do whatever the heck I wanted out there. And, um, my first shift, it was, uh, I got an assist my first shift, but it was, it was the longest shift and it was probably the, one of the longest shifts of my career. I just couldn't get off the ice and, I was so tired and I, I just uh, threw a pass across the ice to, to Chimmer and he, he was so fast back then and he just went down and, and scored. So that was pretty cool. The next year in 03-04, your first full year with the Oilers, we ask everybody this question, their first NHL goal and to take us. And we've had some unbelievable stories when it comes to this, but you know, what do you remember about yours? Take us through it. Um, yeah, I was, I was a healthy scratch for the first, I was the extra forward for probably the first uh 10 games or so maybe. Um, and then we went on a road trip. Uh, first game was in Toronto and, you know, kind of a, a shitty way to get into the lineup and kind of start my career. But Marty Reasoner um, slid into the boards in Toronto and broke his leg. So that's how I kind of got in, into the lineup. And then, uh, so played that next night and then played a couple nights later in New York. And my first goal was at MSG um, against Mike Dunham was the goalie. If you remember, remember Mike Dunham, but, uh, yeah, it was just in the slot. It was kind of a, just a grinder plugger goal, which, which I was, and, uh, it was in the slot. I just did like a slap shot, turnaround slapper. It kind of, kind of knew where the net was, but not really. And, uh, you know, it found a way to get past like three or four guys, but awesome to, to get a goal or my first goal at, uh, Matt, Madison Square Garden. Did you guys spend the, uh, night in Manhattan that night? I don't remember. <laughs> awesome. That's that's my yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to uh, to jump ahead to 2006. Obviously, I grew up an Oiler fan, and I think I was like 14 at 
15 maybe at that time just in high school and the run you guys had and I remember like you weren't necessarily an unbelievable team all year you kind of just uh we're we're all right and obviously made some big trades and went on the run you went on I guess maybe just uh I remember actually it was the first round against Detroit and you guys were the eight seed and a lot of people probably didn't give you much of a chance but I remember I think it was game three double overtime and you scored uh scored the winner and Rexall just went nuts and I think that was a point where a lot of people thought okay these guys got a chance but what do you remember about that goal and that run uh yeah that was a that was a, one of my funnest years playing hockey um obviously had some fun years here in LA with, with winning and stuff but um that we just we were such a close team and we were yeah we were just a just a hard team to play against with good goaltending and um going into the playoffs I think we clinched like two days before uh two games left in the regular season and um I remember we were at Ryan Smith's restaurant downtown after a game, uh, which we had just won and we were watching the game on TV. It was Colorado. And uh, if they lost and then we made the playoffs and, and they lost. And I remember we we're just like, cause the Oilers hadn't made the playoffs in a little, little while before that. So it was just, it was, it was kind of a party already. We were just so happy and to get in and then, but we got to face Detroit. So um, they had like 130, maybe 125 points in the regular season. And you look at that lineup against our lineup, you know, yeah, that's, series should have been done in three games but um yeah it was we had Dwayne Rolls who came in at the deadline and uh he played so good for us we had timely goals and um yeah we were just you know fork off and you know Hemsky played great in those playoffs Chris Pronger was Bassani Bassani had like yeah 14 goals and Prongs was was there obviously and uh, I still think he should he should have won the con smite that year even though we lost but um yeah just a fun run just to see city get around us like that the city and even kind of the the country you know for sure so uh rec saw how loud that was and how electric it was in there uh i just can't imagine teams coming in there and wanting to wanting to play a game in there with with the atmosphere that it was um but yeah just just a fun fun time it it sucks it still still hurts to this day that we lost game seven uh in carolina so it's you know we deserve better fate but uh you know that's sports but it was it was it was one of my funnest years playing i was lucky enough to beat a bunch of those games when you talk about that barn being loud it was next level like i remember you yeah. you couldn't even hear the person next to you talking and it was the silver pom-poms and yeah. the pump yeah, and pump and it was unreal yeah in the dressing room we could uh and we have there's these the big oiler doors right that open and close and they're pretty thick doors and, uh, and walking through the bar to get onto the ice was, was a cool little, uh, little vibe too, that we, we got to do, but we could hear just, just getting ready for the game. We could already hear the, the crowd going nuts and, um, you know, go or there's go. And it's just the, the chanting and the screaming. And, uh, we just couldn't wait to get on that ice and play the game. Like I wasn't an oiler fan going to admit, but I kind of got behind it because Saskatchewan got behind it, right? You know, Corey Cross, Jared Stoll, in, in the whole proximity, duh. Um, and then when when Roley when Roley gets hurt there, you know, what do you remember? I guess it doesn't look that bad, and then all of a sudden, within probably a couple minutes, you're thinking, "Oh crap!" Uh, yeah, it was like we were just kind of in shock because we we knew one of the main reasons we were there was because of Roley, and you know, it happened with. You know, not much time left, and we were up by one, I think, or no, it might have been tied. Um, and then you know, Conks and Jason Smith have a little mishap behind the net, and Rod Brindamore scores with like 40 seconds left to win the game, and we were up three nothing in that game. So 
um, yeah, that was a tough pill to swallow, losing a game like that, losing our starting goalie. Um, so we just uh, – but you're a team for a reason. And, you know, uh, Juicy Markinen actually came in and played the rest of the series. Played really, really well um, for not playing for probably two and a half, three months. So, yeah, it was a, it was a tough break for sure. Was, is that an easier pill to swallow, you think, for you because you did get two rings after that than maybe some other guys? No, it's, it's not. It's, yeah, no, not really. Just, you know, it's maybe if we hadn't won these two and I had still hadn't got one maybe a little bit, but just looking back and being from Saskatchewan and, and thinking of this, the, the support we had, and like you said, not only for from Edmonton, but Western Canada, Saskatchewan, um, you know, it, it hurts to – how fun that run was the type of team we had um, just to come that close. It, it definitely still hurts. I talked to Greener about it. We, we talked about it. He feels the same way um, to win in Edmonton would have just been, you know, for the rest of your life, going back into that city, whenever, wherever it's just uh, it would have been a pretty cool feeling and a lot of, a lot of good memories still for sure, obviously, but uh, yeah, it would have been fun. You know, one guy that we've tr- we're trying to get on the show and we've had, People ask us, you know, we, we got to get him on Moose Jaw Ties and just being a Western Canada boy is, is Ryan Smith. And and talk about a guy that when you think about him, just not to get cliche in this, you know, the boring interview of he wears, you know, what you see is what you get. But like that guy, man, it, it seemed that everything he put into it, and he had to been playing, everyone was playing hurt. But, you know, Ryan Smith, man, just seems like that guy that you want on your team. Yeah, well, he's he's a guy that goes to the dirty areas, right? Like he, he didn't have much, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's not going to, you know, be mad at me, me saying it, but he wasn't a skilled player. He wasn't a, his skating wasn't the best, you know, he was pretty choppy and, and ugly to be honest, but he got it done. He got it done in the hard, hard areas, the, the tough ways. And uh, that was kind of the type of team we were that year for sure. And a big reason was because of him and his leadership. Have you ever seen a guy with higher gloves? Uh, no, because his gloves like ran up to his elbow. Well, he's, he was obviously a huge Gretzky fan and that's, he just, he just copied Wayne's, um, entire style. He had the, uh, he had the Velcro in the pants for the, uh, the Jersey tuck. Yeah. And then he had exactly Wayne's pattern, his stick and his curve <laughs> in the summers. He would wear the, the Joe, old Jofa helmet, um, skating before training camp. Uh, I remember we always skate at the U of a, uh, the golden bears arena before camp and would always wear that. Yeah. He just, it was funny, man. It was funny. Just working out with pictures of Janet in the. <laughs> think you, you, you talk about the guy that he was a couple years ago. He, I don't remember who he was scouting for, but he was uh, in the media room downstairs, the brand center. And he was walking on introducing himself to other people. Like he was nothing but a class act guy. Like he's unreal. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's a, He's a good man. He's a good family man and, uh, you know, not just a, a good teammate, a good pro, but, you know, he put a lot into it and he, he definitely got, got all of it out of it. It's just, it's too bad a guy like that, again, doesn't have a Stanley Cup ring. You don't have to be generic here. We want you to shoot. Like, so you, you go to, you get to move to Los Angeles and you get the move to the Kings. What's going through you there? Obviously you guys came close here, uh, Saskatchewan guy, Edmonton, you know, but you know, was it, was it kind of a, a, a breath of fresh air? Um, I was shocked a little bit. Uh, I lived here in the summers. I was, uh, dating a girl from LA here and I was living here in the summers, got the phone call. I was here and Ron Hextall called me. He was the assistant GM here at the time. And, 
and he called me Kevin Lowe actually first and said, you know, where are you? I'm in LA. Well, he, he goes, well, you can stay there. <laughs> uh, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, we, sorry, we traded you to LA. Um, he wouldn't tell me who the other players were involved because he hadn't gotten a hold of Matt Green yet. Greener was flying somewhere. Um, so he didn't get a hold of Greener until after. But uh, yeah, it was bittersweet. I knew the Kings had some good players. I knew they, they weren't, you know, a very good team at the time, but they had some good skilled players. And, um, you know, it just, we had to get in and, and to be honest, change the culture. It was, the culture wasn't very good. There was, there was some, selfish players i'll be honest uh, bad apples whatever you want to call them and um yeah we, we changed that pretty quick and be, and uh, became a good team and started winning jared one question uh one question i've always wanted to ask some guys is how hard it is for edmonton as a market back then and now to get free agents or you know guys to to sign there because you know it, it is northern um if anyone has a wife uh, you know, it, it's, it would be hard. Um, is it a bit tougher for them to compete, so to speak, when it comes to signing, I guess, free agents or, or some guys with experience and families and whatnot? Maybe a little bit. Some some guys, some guys, hey, if you got a good team and you want to win, that's, you should want to go to, to that team. It doesn't really matter. But there's some guys that look at things differently. And, and nowadays, to be honest, the way some guys look at it is for tax purposes, too. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of guys now, if you, Vegas has a good team, guys are going to want to play in Vegas or, or Florida, um, Texas, uh, states like that, where you can save millions and millions of dollars. And if they have a good team and, you know, they're going there, um, let's be honest. So, uh, but that's a city like Edmonton or, or Calgary or Winnipeg. It's some guys maybe look at it, you know, the cold weather and, and the long winters. And, you know, to be honest, that's just, uh, that's just the way it is. But if, if you really want to win and, um, you know, be a part of a team that wants you. I think that's that's the way I would look at it is a team that doesn't want you versus a team that does. Soon to be the Seattle Kraken too, no state tax. 2000, uh, 2012, obviously you get that cup that you, you couldn't get with Edmonton, but you finally get one with LA. And our buddy Mike Sillinger, who was on the show and skates with us, said an eight always beats a one. And uh, it was with Edmonton, you were an eight seed. And with LA, I think you guys were the eight seed that year too. Uh, talk about that year. If I remember correctly, I think there was like some coaching changes and stuff like that and just got hot at the right time. Um, yeah, it was one of those things where we were kind of very inconsistent and we were probably, we were always four or five points, six points in and out of the playoffs. And, uh, there was 12 games left. I remember and our president at the time came down to the room and he didn't rip us, but he was like, we made some good trades down the road uh we brought in daryl um in december got fired terry murray brought in daryl who uh kind of gave everybody a more specific detailed role that was kind of the way daryl coached is hey you're gonna you're gonna this is your guy you gotta you know beat him whoever i'm facing off against that's that's your matchup everybody had a matchup everybody had a role and that made everybody feel really important um and that's how i think you you become a good team and you, you get to a good team as you make everybody feel like that. Um, and then we just, uh, our president came in and he goes, Hey, we got to make the playoffs here. We've given you our ownership is hundred percent behind you. We took 12 games left. I think we lost maybe three of those games, um, made it in as the eighth seed, and then we had to play Vancouver. So, um, yeah, we just, we peaked at the right time. We were playing playoff hockey. You know, I know it's kind of a cliche too. You gotta, you know, some teams are playing playoff hockey, you know, a month leading in and, and we were, 
So we had everything clicking at the time. Quickie played unbelievable. That's, you know, another main reason why anybody wins a championship is because you have a good goaltender too. I, I got to ask about him. And I think Brandon is going to ask a question, but sorry, I got to ask about Jonathan quick because we all played uh, knee hockey in the hallways and the hotels and tournaments. And I've never seen a guy, you know, when you watch him play, like his style, like it seems like he's always playing knee hockey. Yeah, he's well. His his bottom half. He's got the biggest ass. His biggest legs, and he can. Yeah, you see it if you watch him. We watch highlights. The the splits that he can get into, the positions that he can get into, and, and therefore the the types of saves he can make. Um, never gives up on pucks. You know, this morning, good, another good example. The last two days we've had scrimmages, and you know he's been unbelievable out, out here already. Um, so yeah, he's just a guy that if I had one game and. We had to win one game. He's my he's my guy for sure. I was just going to jump back. You mentioned you were the eight and you beat Vancouver, and I think uh, you scored the OT winner there too to clinch the series. What do you remember about that night? Uh, yeah, that was fun. It was Vancouver <laughs> was, you know, to be honest, a hated team at that at that point. Not, not a lot of you know, not a lot of teams and players like some of the players on their team. So um, yeah, it was it was fun to beat them and. We had them. Uh, we had them three nothing, and then they won game four uh, in our building. And then we, we just didn't want to give them any life because they they were the Presidents Trophy winners for a reason. They had a great team, and um, we had to kind of knock them out when we had the chance. And um, it was just after the game, just going to my phone and just seeing all the text messages. I think I had like 160 messages, and sitting on the bus on the way to the the airport and just uh, having a couple cold beers on the bus and reading some of the text messages was, was pretty cool. Something I'll remember forever. And that was kind of a coming out party for a lot of guys on that LA team. I remember, you know, every, we're all in playoff drafts, you know, pigeons up here, D-Gen gamblers, and we're all, and there's like, who's this Alex Martinez? And who are some of these guys? You know, you know, a guy that I always thought amazing. And again, reminds me of a Ryan Smith and correct me if I'm wrong, Dustin Brown. Yeah. Very similar, very kind of heart and soul type of guy. Wasn't a raw, raw guy in the dressing room or the type of personality he he was, but um, definitely a great captain led by example, all those cliches. And in that both, both playoffs, really um, just big, big goals, big plays, um, he scored the overtime winner in game two against the Rangers. Yeah, Justin Williams was game one and, and Brownie was game two. So, uh, yeah, huge goals. And for him to lift lift the cup uh, for the first time as an L.A. King yeah. um, franchise history, it's uh, well-deserving, well-deserving. Great, great ball, great great teammate. Which uh, which cup party was better? Uh, 2012. We had a, It was a younger team, so we had, uh, you know, not as many guys had – girlfriends or wives or, or kids running around. So um, I would say that, and it, it was all of our first, you know, first one. So it was uh, pretty special, but it was very, you know, deja vu in a little ways, like two years apart and winning both at home. So we kind of knew what to, the party in the dressing room after the first one in 12, it was like, we had, everybody was in there. Like people were in there. We didn't really know. Um, maybe somebody <laughs> knew them through someone, but like it was jammed in there. And then, in 14, we were like, okay, nobody, just players, trainers, coaches. That's it. Nobody else. Um, so that was that was cool, too, just sitting back in your in your locker, in your uh, stall, and just – we were so exhausted that, that second one because, you know, we were game seven, game seven, game seven. And, um, yeah, I remember just sitting back in my, in my locker and just looking around. And 
so exhausted and you know the cup is sitting there and not many guys are even like drinking out of it yet because you're so tired and you're just looking around at your teammates and how happy everybody everybody was that's that's a memory i'll remember as well that's what sarich said the exact same thing that's like like a memory of it with just the boys okay so and, and another question i didn't get to ask Corey this one when they won the cup but something that i always thought your runs with edmonton and then your runs with uh los angeles there's always guys playing hurt what is there one guy or one you know injury that a guy played through something that you were just like oh my god how did he do it uh, Jonathan Quick played, and to be honest, I can't remember which year it was, but he played with his groin was almost like tore off the bone. So if you think of the way he plays and what he does, and he, he took needles before the game, and a bunch of us did. Um, but for him to play like that with a tore groin, like I, I don't know how he did it. I'll never know. Um, but he's he's a battler, man. He he he'll do anything for the team, anything to win. And, and that just proves it. I was just going to say, what about uh, memories? Did you bring the cup back uh, to Yorkton then when you won or? Yeah. The first year I brought it to, uh, it was a long day. I, I got it about eight o'clock. Um, a little float plane flew it into Yorkton because Dwight King had it up North um, where he, where he's from. And then it just, uh, the guy I knew got it on his plane and, and got it to Yorkton about eight thirty. So, from 8.30, we took it right to Newdorf, and we had a little uh, little rally there in the baseball fields and, uh, you know, right outside the rink. So I took it in the, the rink where I first learned how to skate. Um, it was all sand, you know, in the, the old barn there. And, uh, so that was funny. Got some really good pictures and then took it to, to Yorkton. We had a, a parade, and we took some family photos at the uh, local photographer, and then, then I had a big party at night at the uh, at the convention center that's kind of connected to the uh the rink i just i wanted to go all out so i i hired um hired a band they came in and um had about 1200 people maybe uh i didn't really care so it was, uh... <laughs> okay let's get let's go back to some fun stuff here uh la hockey is uh you know it seems something you know huey kind of talked about that crazy cool and, and one thing we ask a lot of guys, and you don't have to answer this, but we hope you answer this. What's the guiltiest Jared Stoll ever played? Um, I, mine was probably on the road in, uh, in Vancouver. A couple of my ex-teammates played for the Canucks, and so we, we went out. and Yeah, it was, it was late, really late, and it was even tough going to the pregame skate in the morning. So, um, but I remember we faced off against each other, opening face-off, and we looked at each other and we're like, oh, my God, we got to get through this. And he ended up scoring the winning goal with like 30 seconds left. I was on the ice. I was like 10 feet from him. He scores the winner. And then the next time we were in Vancouver, we pretty much did the exact same thing. And then I scored the winner late. No third, I swear. And it was awesome. And uh, I don't know if, I don't think he was on the ice for it, but yeah, it was, it was a pretty, pretty funny, pretty you weird deal. You don't want to drop his name because people are going to say, who was he talking about? Uh, Brad Richardson. Oh yeah. Right on. We've had, uh, fortunately enough, uh, lucky enough to have Brad Meyer on, a friend of the pod, uh, referee. Do you, do you remember, uh, you know, what refs do you remember that you really got along with? You're taking a lot of face-offs and, and whatnot, but, you know, what, what do you remember about some of the refs and, and the good Japs or the good stories with those guys? Uh, Vaughn Rohde, he was a guy, he was a veteran guy when I was in. He, he's not uh, in the league anymore, um, but he was, he was always a guy that was really nice to me in the dot. Um, 
Shane Heyer, he was a guy that uh, was mean to me in the dot. Um, <laughs> he tried to become friends with a lot of them. I invited a lot of them to my golf tournament. Some came, some didn't, but tried to tried to throw a couple invites out there to, to help me throughout the season. But Brad was always great. Uh, Steve Kazari was a ref that uh, a lot of these guys too became like they were when I was in the WHL, they were also in the WHL and then they came up at the same time. So we had some, uh, we already had some good, uh, good experiences um, in history together. Um, so yeah, we also had a lot of, a lot of, a lot of scraps and a lot of uh, yelling and screaming matches and me and Brad got into it a bunch of, a bunch of times too, but then we would uh, text each other after the game and be like, ah, sorry, man, heat of the moment. And, <laughs> Brad's a get into it kind of guy because he told a story about him and Getzlaff getting into it and his, his family was at the game and uh, what about, what about uh, another guy we're going to have on the pod here soon uh, legendary ref Brad Watson do you remember him? Yeah yeah Waddy, he was a great he was he was one of the best refs going at the time um, Kelly Sutherland too those, those two were probably the best uh, Brad obviously Brad too was good so those three I remember um, just being good classy honest guys right you, know, you treat them good they're going to treat you good they'll they'll talk to you they'll let you get away with one or two if you're if you're not uh you know saying the wrong things to them or whatever just be nice to them just yeah. respect them be nice and uh try to tell these young kids now that uh, don't talk to the refs until it's your third or fourth year in the league <laughs> that's, that's the way it should go hey there's some guys that have good stories you know when you're a rookie um and then you you know you played up you know, a lot of years. Was there ever a point where there were some rookies or when you were younger that guys were beaking some guys and you were just like, shut your mouth. You don't talk to that guy, even though he's on the other team. Not that I can remember like on the ice, but like say rookie parties and stuff like that, you'd have little like skits or, <laughs> or jokes or roasts. We had a bunch of roasts some years during our rookie parties that were, that were fun. And you know, when, when prongs was on the team in Edmonton and uh, you know, some of the rookies would, would be chirping pronger it was like oh boy what's gonna happen here and you know prongs was a fiery guy he didn't like to get uh, made fun of at all <laughs> you know, he lost it a little bit and then he just started laughing because he's he's a big kid too so um he was one guy that i remember that uh, shouldn't be really beacon too much but uh he, he took it he took it where you know when you got into the league Jarrett, and then maybe when you got into the league and then when you were done who were the guys on the ice that you're playing against maybe that you were just like, holy crap, does this guy have skill? Later on at the end, it was kind of the, the usual suspects that are, that are really good right now with McKinnon and, you know, Dreisaitl and McDavid, those, those three come to mind initially, but, um, you know, Fedorov when I was younger, um, Iserman. Not Datsuk, eh? Yes, Datsuk, yeah. Well, playing in Detroit, like all those guys, man, it was like, it was bad. You didn't touch the puck some shifts for quite a while. And in the Joe Lewis arena, they, they knew the boards, they knew their, their building like so good. You think you had them and then they they're making plays and making passes that, uh, you know, you're stuck in your zone for a minute and a half, two minutes and they're snapping it around pretty good. And the first, if you can get through the first 10 minutes, you know, in a tie game or down one, nothing, you're, you're doing well. So it's uh, yeah, those games, those players they had there were, were pretty special. Let's go into this because we can't do this interview without asking about it. So you shot your shot, how I understand it, twice to make the move on uh, on Aaron Andrews. Now, 
uh, asked some of the old boys if you were a ladies' man back at St. Joe's, and they were like, no, man, that guy was just like hardcore hockey guy. Um, how did how did you win her over, Jared? And did she even know who you were? Um, it was through a friend. I was friend of a friend, uh, Michael Strahan. He's the one that uh, I went to, and they obviously worked together with Fox and football. And, um, so I went to him and asked what what the deal is. You know, could you just throw a word in? You know, get her number for me. And it took a while, man. It took it took a good month or maybe longer. Um, Google's Google's a bad thing sometimes. So. Uh, that probably didn't help me out for, for a little while, but then, uh, yeah, I got it and she was really, really busy, busy at the time and, uh, doing come coming in and out of LA. And so I grabbed dinner one night together and then we kind of just kept hanging out and she lived in New York at the time. That was during our lockout, uh, in 2013 after, right after we won actually in 2012. So we had a little extended break there, which was awesome. And, so I'd go to New York and kind of back and forth. And yeah, just, she definitely didn't know who I was. No, she's from Florida and, you know, just, you know, liked hockey, knew hockey a little bit because she, uh, with Tampa Bay, she was a, a rinks, rink reporter with uh, the Lightning for a year. So she knew the game, but uh, yeah, that's kind of how we met. That's so cool. Okay, now I, because I, I heard that there was something that she was reporting at a baseball game or a football game or something, oh, and yeah, you yeah, went yeah. up and you're like, "Hey, you, yeah. <laughs> how many how many pilsners were you in when you did that?" Yeah, yeah, that was during the yeah during the lockout. We um, it was a World Series in uh, San Fran. Uh, the Giants. They were I forget who they were, they were playing. I think the uh, the Tigers. I think the Detroit Tigers. Maybe I think and. Um, yeah, she was doing baseball at the time. Doesn't do it anymore, but um, I knew, I knew she was doing the one dugout, uh, whichever team it was, and we were on the other side of the field. So I think I took Hartsey, uh, Scott Hartnell. We went. There was about seven or eight of us, and uh, Hartnell came down to LA and we're like, "Okay, we're going to the World Series game, then we're going to play beach volleyball, and then we're going to the play by mansion." So we got a good weekend plan. So he came with me, and we're going over, and it's the World Series, so the security is pretty tight. And so I got him walking right down to the dugout and Hartsey's like, man, I'm out of here. You're, you're, I got it. I can't go any further. So I get right by past the security guard. And, um, I just kind of was like kneeling down against the fence in the row one there. And I just kind of yelling her name just so, so bad. And so she, you know, we had a quick, quick conversation there. And then, uh, I just told her we text after the game and they, they were flying out, uh, the very next morning and, we didn't meet up at all, but that's kind of how uh, we initially initially met. Fuck, is that so a good did story? You, did you end up making it to the mansion? <laughs> yeah, of course, that dude. Was the, it was the Halloween. Uh, Halloween oh Halloween. God. Okay, so we had and another person. Actually, my wife, you know, asked asked the questions. We watch uh, we watch NFL a lot and all that. So how how do you guys know where each other's going right you're working with the kings you're doing this she's going you know to fox like you guys have yeah. such busy lifestyle do you leave notes do you send a text be like hey by the way i'm gone this weekend or you know how does it work because we're like for for regular folk we're like we got to plan shit out like so far in advance well the best thing in part of it, uh, about it is you know they, you know they have their game schedule we have our game schedule so we know you know that side of things what city we're in but um well there's sometimes i don't know where she's going you know a couple days before but i know she's going to a game so it's uh the six months or whatever the football season is you know i don't i don't see her that much and then during the hockey season it's uh it's the same so this year is going to be hard because 
she's finishing up right away here and then we're starting up in uh in 10 days so that's just the way it is it's it's a healthy relationship though like you know a lot of people will say to you need you know you need to breathe you need uh you know some time here and there and, and she'll agree and say the exact same thing so it, it works it's uh you know it's been three years we've been married so it's uh it's been good it's been fun okay so have you ever had her up to saskatchewan yeah she came to my cup party yeah she came to my cup party and then uh my dad, we had a 60th birthday, so she's been there, I think, two or three times. Has she ever not had a, a fan of the mosquitoes? Not a fan. Has she ever had a pierogi? Yeah, I actually, I actually made some here. Like, <laughs> it was two Christmases ago. My grandma, um, she would make it. She sent me the recipe, her recipe. So I, I tried my best. I did okay with it, but not, not great. But uh, yeah, she tried them. Yeah. So you used to have your golf tournament in Saskatoon. You talk about the Playboy Mansion, being on a golf course, all that. Like, do you play quite a bit of golf? And, you know, like we, when Ronick came on, he had the unbelievable, like Michael Jordan golf story. You must play with some absolute uh, weapons in Los Angeles. Do you get, do you get, you know, who, who are some of the dudes that you've played golf with that you're just like, wow. And then maybe peeling, peeling for a few. Back when I first came here, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, we played together for a while. He, he loves golf. He plays almost every single morning and, uh, Really How is good he? Tricking. Like he'll he'll up and down for par from anywhere, which is really frustrating because you think you have him, and then he he does something like that and, and somehow gets a par out of it. But um, this summer we have a place in Montana, so um, Justin Timberlake, we we play together all summer, um, all quarantine, I guess. So he's a another guy that takes golf really seriously. He's about a one or two handicap. So yeah, we we play a lot. Um, he's all over the place though, with obviously so haven't played together in a little while, but he lives in LA and, uh, he's a great guy. So probably, you know, probably him. Um, never with Gretz. No, no, never with Wayne's played with Kopi uh, and Justin Williams a couple of times. Um, never with him. I'd have to think about it. I'm sure there's others, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. what's, what's your handicap? What do you play? Uh, five and a half right now. Oh, not bad. You ever see Larry David around? Oh yeah. Yeah. He, he came to our wedding. He's a friend of our friend, and uh, I haven't golfed with him. He's he golfs up at Riviera Riviera all the time. He's a member there, and I see him whenever I play there, which isn't a lot. Um, he's always there playing, and it's funny because he's in his show. It's exactly how he is in real life, and he's walking around. His club is dragging behind him, and he's like looking for his golf ball. He like doesn't know. I don't think he knows where he is. You know? It's funny. I it's, saw him striping a few on Instagram a few days ago. There's a video. Yeah, I did see that too. Yeah. <laughs> well, one question I want just, I've had a couple people ask is what's a typical game day like for you? Or do you have any superstitions or? Uh, when I played? Yeah. I always love to go on a pregame skate. A lot of coaches now throw out optionals, but I, I like to get on the ice and just kind of move my legs a little bit. So I, I would always go on for pregame skate um pregame meal was always like rigatoni grilled chicken vegetables soup um caesar salad that was kind of what i what i ate all the time and then early on in my career especially when i was in edmonton i would, it would be like a two two and a half hour pregame nap and then it then it got uh, shorter and shorter it was, i got to probably an hour and a half and i would be at the rink uh three hours before game that was kind of my routine ritual that way before warm-up i didn't do much like in the dressing room for i would stretch a lot like i would stretch for probably probably an hour uh, before every game and then when i was getting dressed i would just put my skates on and me and fernando pisani and edmonton would just we would sit together for like a half an hour in our 
in our locker, in our stall, and just uh, kind of talk about everything but hockey and, and uh, yeah, kind of get ready that way. Do you still play at all, like pick up hockey or anything like that? No, not anymore. I, I'm on the ice like three or four days a week with our, with our young players, and um, I did. There's a good little league uh, here Tuesday and Thursday mornings with, with some guys, and it was fun for the first little bit. Uh, thinking I could still play. That was about five years ago, but uh, no, not anymore. How we end these all the time, uh, Jared, is just like these rapid fire questions. They're, they're pretty quick and, and fun, and hopefully you have some fun with, with them. And your favorite Canadian band? Nickelback. I was gonna, I thought I was either going Watchmen or Tragically Hip, but you went sideways there, and you'll Nickelback. All right. Back in the day, playing your favorite like minor hockey Old barn you just love to play in. Old rink and sask. Ooh, um, that's a good question. Uh, Can't say Newdorf. Esther Hazy or Ooh Estevan. Estevan was good. They, their their old rink was like yellow lights, and the corners were really the ice was really small. The corners were really tight. Yeah, Est, Estevan. Okay, so on the heels of that, favorite baseball field when you were a young kid playing that you just loved playing at. Um. The ones in Melville, that was kind of our home home field, though. Uh, the ones in Regina by the airport, across from the airport, those four or three or four there, we would play there a lot. Hit a couple dingers there. <laughs> Not a big deal. <laughs> Ideal foursome. Uh, well, I can't say the same thing. Uh, well, no, obviously I'll go different. Uh, Tiger. Um, Tiger, Steve Eiserman. Charlie Woods? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Steve Eiserman and Matt Damon. Oh, Matt Damon guy. Okay, so when you come home to Saski, what's one thing, food, beer, drink, what's one thing you have to have? Uh, Kokanee beer and if I'm going home, home like with uh, with food and stuff, uh, pierogies and cabbage rolls. That's all right. And so what do we... Grayson sausage from Grayson, Saskatchewan. Really good, yeah. Nice. I have, my parents bring some down all the time, so I have like five more uh, packages left in my fridge. Yeah. That's uh, that's all. I was gonna I was gonna wonder if the Grayson thing was gonna uh, pop in. All right, so my last one here: bunny hug or hoodie? What are you calling it these days? Uh, I'm calling it hoodie now. Sorry. Yeah. It used to be bunny hug, I know, but yeah, I'm calling it hoodie now. Does, does Aaron, does you ever, do you ever go to, Hey, you know, these things are called bunny hugs. Have you ever drank back, back like years, little years, years ago? Yeah. She was like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. I did remember that. Yeah. yeah. Hey man, this was, uh, this was so cool. Uh, I know we took a, a lot of your time here and camp started, but, uh, we totally appreciate it. No, no problem. No problem at all. It's good to meet you guys. And, uh, it was great. Hey, what an interview with Jarrett Stoll, good old Sasky weapon. Uh, actually, I was doing a lot of research on him. Anybody who uh, is listening to this, check out the video on YouTube of him with his day with the cup. He talked about it, but it was a cool video the LA Kings posted uh, that highlighted his day with the Stanley Cup. I thought it was pretty neat taking it back to the Newdorf barn and the interview wrap up new sponsor boys 2020 geo maddox and i'm going to read this here line for line until we get comfortable on this one we can jab a little bit but uh 2020 geomatics are your locally owned and operated land surveying firm they're 100 saskatchewan owned so when you hire them your money is staying in saskatchewan and in the communities they work in as experts in the subdivision process they're your first call you're thinking about when subdividing land hmm 
It doesn't matter if you're looking to carve out a single parcel or a huge multi-lot development. They have the knowledge, expertise, network to guide you through the process. Don't be a pigeon by pulling your hair out and trying to navigate the rules on your own. Malcolm Vanstone and his team, they will do it right for you. 2020geomatics.com. Funny story about those guys. My neighbor actually works there. So the first time that we cracked the top 10 in the pod rankings, I was crushed. So he was mowing his lawn. I threw a beer over the fence. So him and his wife came over, and I was way more in the bag than he was, just acting like we just won a scoring title, <laughs> yapping about our podcast, how we're number nine in the country. And uh, it sounds well, pretty came co- full circle though. So sounds pretty cool though. Like I, I didn't know that the whole land surveying thing, like they're like a local company, but they go to a lot of small towns and they like sit and they have coffee, you know, and they're like they're just good old boys. And uh, yeah, so there's a lot of, I guess, small town and guys listening and girls to the podcast. So if you need somebody or thinking about, you know, that 2020 Geomatics and Malcolm Vanstone, and they're going to be a sponsor with us here for the next uh, half year. So yeah, thanks to those guys. I knew they were going to be a bit of a wagon. Hey guys, you know, uh, we're into the new year now. Everybody's uh, new year, trying to watch things a little bit closer, maybe go to the gym a little bit more, drink a little bit less. What a, uh, what a great way to uh, kind of watch what you're putting in your body for fuel. Then uh, the new hard seltzers from Original 16 and Great Western Brewing. They got the new Cranberry. I crushed a couple dozen of those over the uh, the break. Nice light uh, holiday treat with the Cranberry hard seltzer from uh, Great Western Brewing. Also the Hellas Half Acre. If you're looking at, uh, you know, trying to watch the cows, but you enjoy a nice beer, make sure you check out the, uh, the Hellas Half Acre from 016 too. Well, I think Iceman is drinking those right now. He's trying to stay lean before his big upcoming match. I got a scrap next week, and I am on a peach one. But you see how it's nice and clear? Those? not red. It's not red so wine good. like Kinder drinks, but it's nice and clear and low-cal. I was surprised on those cranberry seltzers, actually. They took me a little bit. I drank. I was drinking one in uh, at actually Elk Ridge while the kids were tobogganing. And a buddy that I know from Saskatoon drink, he came by and he's like, yeah, and he's like, what are you drinking there? And I was like, this cranberry thing. And I'm like, COVID, obviously, yeah, you're not like sipping on it. And I'm like, come by, come by the cabin over there. I'll throw you one. So went on the shared de- a dart. <laughs> went on the deck, went into the, threw him one. Oh, mall. And he was like, yeah, the Great Western makes these? And I'm like, yeah, man, they're like so good. But then I, then I got into the Last Mountain Gin and the Last Mountain Whiskey. And it was like really blurry. Go Speaking ahead. of beer, fellas, I uh, I went down. This is years ago. I went down skating with the university in Missouri, and uh, the guys take me to this place, Stretch Pass, and like like they asked they you go, to come try out for them. Oh yeah, sent them tape. Oh bullshit. Sent them tape. The, I need to see the letter. I should. Sure, I'll, I'll show you the letter. So anyway, we go to this bar in the bun. So I've been from Canada. It's my first time I was ever in the states. And the guy goes, I got a place we'll go. So we go to this place and they hand you this Dixie cup and it's, it was blue. I was like, okay, sweet. The guy goes five bucks. And I said, well, what's the deal? He goes five bucks. You drink for free all night. You'll lose your cup. You break your cup. You just spend another five bucks and you get another cup and you can keep, keep drinking all night. I was like, wow, this is, this is pretty unreal. So I give the guy five bucks. He gives me a draft, About an hour goes in and this lady jumps on and she, uh, she starts dancing on the bar and, bunch you've heard the story before but she's she was an attractive female and she's dancing whatever and she's her midsection is about head level ish so whatever she's dancing and all of a sudden this she lets this fart go and i was like 
what the just as I whatever I ignore it <laughs> and we just keep kind of hanging out but I look over in the bathroom is at close proximity so I'm, I figured I'd have fun with it so I said I'm like just so you didn't want to go to the bathroom and do that and I give her credit to this day because she was very ballsy and she goes you don't like that and I was like well no I kind of think it's pretty disgusting that you're gonna fart all over us but she bends down and grabs this dixie cup that's half full of beer and she farts directly into the cup and i was like what so i had a couple choice words to her i'm like you yada 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 the boys are going well you're canadian we got to get you out of here so whatever we get ready to we're leaving and i go to push on the door and i hear this this voice go hey so I turn and look over my shoulder and she comes running up and drives me square in the face. So this is, we've been in USA for all of 24 <laughs> hours. It's just outside St. Louis, about 20 minutes. Yeah, 20, so I haven't even met everybody yet. Walk in the room, the guys are going, how was your first night? And I said, well, I've had my beer farted in and I've been punched in the face all by a woman. <laughs> Take a seat, son. Yeah, you could have headed over to Reed Lowe's hair salon, had a drink over there. Yeah, it looks, yeah, I heard, heard it's pretty good. The well, old money pit. Hey, you know what? Speaking of outside, it's still cold outside, guys. Why wouldn't a guy? Why wouldn't a guy? Make sure that the furnace is up and running tip top. And if it's not, replace that old money thirsty piece of crap with a new high efficient Lennox furnace from Aero Plumbing and Heating. They also can come hook up a new Wi-Fi thermostat so you control control your house from anywhere in the world. You can also get a new HEPA filter system so you don't uh, end up as stupid as Sean Kindop. While you're at it, they're also, they've been in business for 50 years in Regina. Why wouldn't a guy shop freaking local? Support the companies that support the community and us. That takes us into my hunting, fishing, and tirade segment. Tonight, boy, she's going to be a tirade. You know what pisses me off is, again, I'm going to go back to COVID. Two things, I'm going to double down on the tirade tonight. How in the are the inmates in this country that are in jail, they're incarcerated people are going to get this vaccine. Now, if you don't want the vaccine, that's fine. You don't have to get it. My wife chose to get it. She's a healthcare worker. I can't believe that they're giving this vaccine to these dipshits before my kid's teacher can get one. So my kids can stay in school or the long-term care patients or, or these, you know, the older people that are in there that you can't go visit. You can't go visit your grandma at something like that but these pieces of dog shit can have people come in and visit them they got covid everywhere it's it's the most ridiculous thing ever and speaking on that this one doesn't piss me off as much but still you got all these politicians telling you to stay home don't move don't go anywhere don't do nothing i know people say that it wasn't illegal it wasn't the you know i get it but if you're a leader you got to lead by example and that is total horseshit what those guys did traveling around during the holidays how do you Aren't just mad that you missed people? getting your vaccination by a couple of days in the old pen? <laughs> your prison haircut. How do you justify that as a leader of a province or a state or a country when you're going on your soapbox every day saying you need to stay home, you can't go anywhere for Christmas, we're all in this together, blah, blah, blah. I agree, boss, and that's like, what really, it really pisses me off. Barney, you got to have some thoughts on this too. Uh, they should all get fired. I really they do. Get fired. I really do on the uh, the teachers not getting vaccinated. Like, why are they in the regular public? They're in little rooms with you know twenty to forty little humans that can't get vaccinated. Right. Kids can't get vaccinated. 
So then you're basically saying, hey, teachers, go fend for yourself. It's like, no, 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 no. I, I'm just really surprised that no one stepped out, stepped up here and really shouting for the teachers to get vaccinated like quickly within the next few months. Hopefully somebody does. As far as the traveling thing, yeah, super Bush League. Like, I don't know what you're thinking um, when <laughs> when you do it. Yeah, you know what? I don't know how many of them kind of thought that they were going to sneak it by and it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't going to be found out. But, yeah. You I'll- can't. You can't sneak anything by nowadays. Look at Sean. Sean's got chicks farting in his cups. Everyone knows about it. You can't get you can't get away with anything. Hargraves, Hargraves should be fired. He should be gone. And it's bullshit that Mo is sticking up for him in this instance. He should be gone, be a leader, get rid of him, and carry on. I agree. And I also think that she thought it was going to be silent, but that's besides the point. <laughs> <laughs> That was a great tirade, and uh, that was brought. That was to a great new- tirade. Just ask me. <laughs> ask me. I'll tell you all about it. Oh, but you guys had some good input there too. You know, Arrow Plumbing and Heating—they're the new sponsor for the hunting, fishing, and tirade segment. Do you want to talk a little bit about fishing, Kinner? Did you go do some ice fishing this uh, this uh, holiday season? Me and Sam went out. We went out for about four or five hours between two days. We were on a yeah, man. And we caught one perch. So- That's all we caught. On top of getting losing a bunch of hair on my face from getting hit with a fireball, um, I actually got to give you credit because I went to your house. We you gave me a couple hooks. We uh, you put we put Free some new line on the rod. <laughs> but we uh, so you put a, this lure on Jessie's. So I was sitting beside her. I used one of your other hooks. Whatever, <laughs> but whatever you put on hers, we she put it down. She caught fourteen fish that day. Jesse just was on like them. just off that hook. Oh, and, and Ryan Rockets, don't worry about it. Thigh highs. <laughs> I uh, yeah, she can fish. I well, that's good. I've watched pictures and I saw your, you know, saw you guys, and I just see, and you know what? There's going to be a, a large portion of our podcast listeners that are really going to hate me after I say this, but I see ice fishing pictures and it does absolutely nothing for me like Take I, a sea chink i know i i just i couldn't i couldn't picture myself sitting there all day doing that i just i, I know you can sit around put on some country tunes they and don't have ice day. fishing in mexico so you just yeah, do the same thing but you have a little line in the water it's no as different than what you did last saturday you just got as, a line in the water and as we're talking gubba just unfollowed you <laughs> I, I yeah maybe maybe I need to do it I don't know it's sorry it's one of those things yeah I, I could maybe do it in a boat for a few hours uh, never like our Mexico Trezamore. Yeah, never like hey, our uh, <laughs> while we're talking about ice fishing I forgot a shout out we got on Twitter and I forgot to send this to you belts I think but uh, Terry Kush I think his name is on Twitter he actually called into our Zoom show he. Uh, Sent a picture of his son who caught a 30-pound monster oh, I saw 42 that. inches long at Madge. Said, show I, this to Belter. Got I another challenger. That. What a beast. Yeah, Gubba, Gubba's got lots of challengers coming out of the woodwork. He, uh, Sean Kindop, and now this kid. This kid, I think, has crushed anything Gubba's caught this winter, so that's good. It'll be good for the old boy. I think even Mrs. K just outfished me, so she's the, I'm the challenger. Mrs. K so. kind of outs you in uh, just about every category. Yeah, Mrs. So. K, basically, you you're just you're ten stories up on this level. That's for sure. Hey, sure got, for the I'm just the arm candy boys. 
let's get into uh, senior hockey. And, you know, the chances of senior hockey coming back, we we'll talk about here in a bit, are, are pretty slow. But we're going to keep things going. And we have some really cool senior hockey stories in the queue that we're going to work on over the next few months for people. Um, just to kind of tease a couple of them right now, we're going to do something on the Horse Lake Thunder, the AAA team that lost in the Allen Cup, Theron Fleury, all those guys. Uh, we're going to do the Rosetown Unbelievable Run and the AAA team from Shellbrook. We're going to do something on Bentley. There's going to be a lot of senior hockey stories coming down the pipe. I'm really trying to get some contacts to get a few more. So it's going to be really cool. So today in the Senior Hockey Soiree, brought to you by Freeze Tallman Lumber, Regina and Fort Capel. Uh, it maybe the holidays, you kind of noticed uh, you had a few extra time, a little bit of time on your hand, and you're going to have time on your hand for the next few months. Get that inside project going. Go see everybody at Freeze Tallman. Tell them what you need done. They'll hook you up, or they'll find someone that can do it for you. Freeze Tallman, big supporters of anything local, and they support the Senior Hockey Soiree. Paco going to join us from the Coppell Valley Hockey League, and here we go with Paco and his all-decade team. Paco joining us. Sorry for everybody up north. But the reason Paco joining <laughs> us and we teed it up earlier in the show is he put together this pretty cool in-depth all-decade team for the Coppell Valley Hockey League. Now, if you want to do it for your league, be our guest. Get in contact with us. We'll get you on. And as long as you're legit, you're not some wacko and it's like, you know, guys that never played or your whole family. But Paco, you did a hell of a job here. So just kind of give us the rundown on, on obviously it's 2010 to 2020. And uh, how, you know, what were you, what was your thought process when you were doing this? Well, I, you know, I saw a couple in uh, some of the pro teams. I think it was an East Coast team did this and a and, uh, college team and the NCAA. And so I thought I'd take a peek and between our uh, website, the Capel Valley League uh, uh, qvhl.ca website and then using elite prospects as well you can get a lot of stats and and at least come together with uh with what you thought and at mm. least have a little bit of a little data to back up what uh what we put on here so so you've been kind yeah, of was a, you've been kind of heading up the league for a few years now and then you play like when did you stop playing um well i started my first year was 97 97 98 i played in belcaris yeah and played there for i believe six and a half years um, had half a season in the Triangle League. Triangle League ha- uh, drove out to Esther Hazy for half a year. What a shit show that was! <laughs> um, and then just a little couple tea, couple teas, and uh, we got picked up in Indian Head, and then a couple years of Belgoni. But um, then I started running Belgoni, so I played about a little bit off and on 11, 12 years. Yeah. yeah. So all these guys on this on this list, then these are kind of when you would have been coaching or uh, president of the league president yeah so the last yeah the last 10 seasons which has been just you know ever since the bisons run started in 2008 where they started their five years in a row win like the league just took a just a massive step forward uh i i would say we probably weren't even in the top five to seven leagues in the province and then right around when the bisons got really good and then the other teams had to you know change what they were doing and and uh, catch up and now you know one of the top leagues in the province, if not, um, you know, one or two, I would think. And that Long Lake League's pretty damn good, though. So, um, but yeah, the last ten years, and it was fun to do for sure. And and I think uh, most people recognize some of the names. Most of them played pro or junior or college, and mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it was fun. Opaco, you're 
your team that you've you've you know you've assembled here are you basing this basically off of stats alone or how are you how are you coming to that um i would you know obviously stats are, are a big part of it i think if you're you know winning league titles or you know being top goaltender you have to have a, a bit of the stats to back up what you're doing but you know individual awards team awards uh, most of these guys have won a championship uh, that are on here and and uh um but yeah there's a, there's you know a few guys on here i would say you know probably 70 80% of the guys had really good uh statistical uh careers and let's uh let's go through the roster and the guys that you picked and maybe just a little bit of uh insight on them and and uh why you picked them and let's start on the back end as as you know the goaltending it all starts uh from there out so Talk about the goalies you've picked. Obviously, Dave Spooner, uh, a guy that we know, Mitch Kilgore, um, who's currently playing in Riley Ross, who I'll admit I'm not familiar with myself. Well, Spoons um, has just, you know, he's had great senior career, obviously, before he came here, um, playing up in Drake and, and Rosetown and then coming down to the Capella Valley League, uh, I think, in 2014. So he's been around about six years, and and uh, I think he's got a couple uh, – top goaltender awards and and he's just been phenomenal the whole time he's been here played the most games and as for a goaltender in the in the 10 uh year in the decade and and uh so that, that was a pretty much an easy choice for us riley ross is you know riley's got a you know a couple championships uh you know one with uh with bell or milestone last year and i believe he's got one with uh might be with Radville, but, but uh, Riley's been mainstay with Milestone the last couple of years. He's played the second most games. And then it um, really, the third spot was interesting because, I, you know, it's you could pick pretty much anyone. Uh, Russell Abbott uh, won two, uh, two top goaltender awards at Milestone. He played at the University of Ottawa, came and he was uh, coaching at uh, uh, Wilcox there in Notre Dame. And Mitch Kilgore has played the last uh, three years and Grenfell has had a couple of uh, awards too and a championship and he's just been outstanding jimmy peterson would have been nice except he split right at the beginning of the decade his first year was um the last year of last decade where he played every single minute of the year which is interesting like a 20 game season you know about 10 playoff games and to play every minute and never have your backup go in is pretty phenomenal um and they played two more years and in those three years he had uh, two top, top goaltender awards so that was a tough one on the third spot but those you know can't go wrong with any of those guys Quickly, quickly on the back end here, your your others. First off, a uh, guy that we know well, uh, Paul Elbers, is on the other. Um, I know a few of these guys. Obviously, Kyle Deck. Uh, everybody in the area knows him, along with Ryan Bender. Uh, Corey Enser had a heck of a senior uh, hockey career, played a lot of years. Quickly on the defense, there. Um, you know, maybe maybe pick out a few guys and, and why you picked them there. Well, you know, if we really look at down that right hand side. Um, those are all three Grenfell Spitfires, and again, I touched on Rieger a bit. He's played the whole decade. Um, the real, the 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 big change with Grenfell was when Mark Schneider went there um, four years ago, as long as well as Sanford King up up on forward there. Um, they were able to end their thirty year drought of uh, championships and won back to back championships uh, with those guys leading the way. So Schneider's uh, is a no brainer there. Justin Hollinger is a local there. He's been around for almost the whole decade. Uh, uh, mainstay there as well. And then, you, you know, I know, I know you said Corey answer there, but I think we have to acknowledge the fact that he's got seven or eight championships in the Capel Valley Hockey League, no matter where he goes, he seems to win. So that's, uh, that's pretty big, but that's, uh, you know, Bender, Dak, Vanisip uh, with Radville was uh, outstanding as well. Okay. So let's, uh, let's jump to the, to the front. And obviously 
uh, the forwards you chose. And I guess uh, starting with the first line, maybe that's obviously the line that you saw, I'm assuming, as as the top guys. So start there and, and work your way through the lineup. Well, yeah, I think. Or, well, I, I would probably go with it almost as a top six. You can almost uh, interchangeably okay. there. And, and Lance Haroff's just been – you know, obviously, I might have a little bit of bias there, but uh, being around the Bisons, but Lance has just was been outstanding. Just probably the one of the best senior players I've ever seen um, play, and and Mark Hartman just put up a phenomenal uh, um, career in in Belcaris, and and him and Justin uh, uh, Bernhardt there, you know, just putting up amazing numbers since uh, Bernie came in the league, and and uh, um, Hartman's a local there for um, for Belcaris, been around a while, and. And then, you know, where we got in that second line there, that Drew Istash, a number just a guy in, in uh, senior that's, you know, won six, seven championships. And and uh, Sanford King, again, like I touched on with Schneider, he came in Grenfell uh, four years ago, won two championships, broke that 30-year streak. And Logan Gorselitz, this is interesting because Logan's the captain of Milestone and played the whole decade. He played over 160 games in 10 years. So that tells you, and senior leagues, what, 16, 18 games most of the time? And, and so to play that many games, that's a, um outstanding uh, dedication. Brennan Holloway down on the third line. Brennan Holloway on the left-hand side from Grenfell. Um, uh, just it won an MVP award in the middle of the decade. Tons of points. You know, 60, 70-point years, uh, multiples. And Brad Rennie, I don't know if you guys know Brad. If you don't know Brad, you need to go watch Milestone. He's a scary, he is, scary oh, guy. He, he is a mutant. He he he's a he's a guy to watch and one of the most hated guys I would say. But he's a I can't imagine, um, you know how great it is to have him as a teammate because he's uh, he just gets the other team off and and pisses them right off. So um, and then Kyle Quisley, another milestone guy that put up a ton of a ton of points. I believe had four last guy to score forty goals maybe in a year and and uh, I love this. He's outstanding. I love this last line. Well, I don't really know uh, Jason uh, as much as obviously Bear. I had a guy that messaged me actually yesterday, and and he's back on the Twitter thing, and he's like, "How do you know Bear Trap?" And I'm like, "Well, I, you know, it's kind of skate with him, play a lot of rec with him, and you know, good guy." And his and his brother, he's like, "Well, do you guys do you know like they're like legends out in like the Coppell and all that area?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "Do you know who his dad is?" And I'm like, "Yeah." <clears throat> and he was saying like. Does Bear still play? Because he remembers going to some senior games. And, like, Bear was just un, unreal. And then I played, you know, like, a lot of years with Jamie Miller, where... Miller Miller. Yeah, you know, whatever, you know, Wick uh, Wick kept him around on a few nine teams. Nine lives. Yeah, nine lives. But uh, you get Millsy moving with that size and, you know, his shot. Man, he's a good hockey player. Yeah. Yeah, and Millsy, well, here's the line when uh, Belcaris won in 2013. They're the team that snapped uh, the Bison's five-year um, streak. Um, it was Miller, Hartman, and Trap. And so, you know, they're just like Millsy. I, just, I love Millsy. He was won MVP awards. He was outstanding in Indian Head. And, and then when Indian Head folded the first time, he'd moved to Belcaris. And when Bear came back, Bear was just a monster coming back too. And he's mean and tough and and uh, yeah, they're good, but you know, Barrow, Belcaris, the Trap family, brothers, you know, Spencer's there now, their yeah. little brother, and Joel, Joel, uh, Bear's other brother who plays, uh, I think, for you guys too, as well, on Money Nooner, and yeah, um, yeah, no, that's and uh, Doug and Grandpa Barry, yeah. Barry Trap. I don't think we, we speak enough about Barry as well, and 
I I yeah. I was uh, not even not even a, an honorable mention for uh, Leo. Uh, old Leo from Indian Head, eh, man? I, uh, Leo Denemy? Yeah, God, I, you know, yeah. Leo and Wade playing with them in, uh, in the Adult Safe, like, especially Wade, you know, back on that back end, what a player. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know if you guys saw on, on Twitter, I just threw, cause guys were asking, throwing names at me, and I'm like, that's the, the decade before, it's the decade before. So oh. Leo and Wade were, uh, you know, with Indian Head. Indian Head was good. Um, uh, those years, uh, in yeah. the mid, uh, mid 2000s there so and like like you said you know it, it was one of those things and, and we we talked about it we want other leagues to do this as well right we're not just singling out the Coppell league or the southern leagues here if you can put together a constructive uh you know sheet like Paco did here you know let's give her and if there's uh some some validity to it we'll have you on uh like you said Paco like the Coppell league you know I forget when I stopped playing but when I moved down here like it was kind of the afterthought and, um, you know, the Bisons were just starting to kind of do that run there. And that league came a long way, which is, you know, what surprises me about it because of the proximity to Regina, Regina. you, you know, yeah. I thought it would always have been a little bit better, but for some reason, yeah, they just, I don't know. Was there like a rule change at one point that maybe yeah. helped some of the teams? Well, I think, uh, sort of getting with the times type of thing, uh, you know, we're playing basically cult you know, handful of kilometers away from the highway league who, who's always been a little bit more open with their import rules. And we ran as a B league for the longest time, three um, imports and two exceptions. We did that for the longest time. And then slowly now we're up to uh, four elite imports, you know, junior A or higher and, and four exceptions or junior B players. And so, you know, it's a bit, uh, been a bit of a rise and and having the locals so where it really changed is the the why the bisons turned around was the locals right so all those locals lance and all those guys came back and and uh um, changed things and what's interesting about these decade teams though if the bisons overlap two decades if they started in their five-year run at the beginning of the decade half this team would be bisons so um grant sellinger jason weitzel you know he skim over jason weitzel he's plays five years with the warriors and five years with the cougars comes with the bisons he's an afterthought and he's yeah. a two point uh, per game player and you know unreal one of the fastest guys in the league and and uh but he was outstanding as well so right on man hey we uh we totally appreciate you putting in all this time and uh and then jumping on with us and and doing it you're uh you're you're kind of what the province needs, and like I said, we need more guys like you to uh, to do this for their leagues. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll shout it out. Sweet, thanks, Paco. Okay, boys, Paco was fantastic. But Barney, I was going to mention to you this Dwayne Lowry guy, Wheeze Dog at Wheeze Dog at Twitter. He sh- he sent he sent us a tweet about hey boys, DM me, we'll go from there. I have numbers. That's it. No bullshitters. And you're like. What? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. And he says, all I asked was DM. Rankings are crazy. So Dwayne, like, DM us. Let's. We want. We want some English. We want to know what you're talking he's about. He's from. He's from Saint Walberg. Okay, Runs you know the senior team. Let's yes. Go. I think they won the league last year, the year before. So he probably thinks, blah blah blah. We're the best. That's in the Sask Alta. So. Let's well, go, Weasel. We need these pigeons to step up and send us this stuff. Don't chirp us on Twitter. We don't know. Send it to us. Let's get. Let's rock and roll. Let's get into the Richie Brothers auction ear uh, player auction of the ear? week. 
<laughs> Let's get into the Ritchie Brothers Auctions Player of the Week from yesteryear. Yeah, of course, uh, New Year. Farmers are making plans for 2021. Let's go. And, of course, uh, thinking about their equipment and maybe it's time to upgrade. Of course, going to be lots of spring sales coming up uh, at the consignment yards for Ritchie Brothers, North Battleford, Saskatoon, Rollo, or Farm Auctions uh, on people's farms so you can find out more at rbauction.com and maybe find a new piece all right when do the spring when do the spring sales get rocking buzz pretty much every day there's one in april somewhere in the prairies or in there Saskatchewan. You so april's you, auction month let's go you will not be on the program in april we're looking for a fill-in uh send your resumes dm your resumes to uh monday nooner uh, player of the week from yesteryear. We got a couple of guys. We, thanks for everyone that kind of sent us some guys and keep sending us DM, uh, some old guys. How about this Dean Simpson guy, Robert Tigers, Sask West hockey league. Um, one of the boys uh, said played against him in six or seven years, uh, while he was in unity. The guy was about 262, 70, just a killer athlete. He's responsible for two or three of, I think it was Todd Duffin. And who was the other guy that chimed in on this? Critch. Critch. Yeah, double C, the, the linesman. Responsible for two or three of his concussions. Uh, yeah, so that was Dean Simpson and Carobert. And then while while they were at it, they went into uh, Curtis McLean, Unity Miners, 325 pounds. Uh, used to be, uh, used to go uh, toe-to-toe with everyone once in a while, just piles of human mash together. They talked about the, the heavy boards in one of the in one of the ranks too and just getting crushed by these guys so there's a couple of a player of the weeks from yesteryear for in the senior loop and yeah we'll be doing that over the next little bit along with some cool senior stories for the senior hockey soiree from richie brothers auctioneer and i gotta correct you because uh mr critch might not like that you called him a linesman because he's a ref he wears the orange band oh god stripes Sorry. Don't want to let him down with calling that him a linesman. I Bad talk right there. I remember when he was a linesman back in the day. So I apologize. Yeah, very, 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 very sorry. Thanks for the info, though, boys. Hey, you know what? Uh, again, another thing in the holidays here and some new listeners, they asked us about that band, that Fran Moran. And I'm like, well, this is like a band. They're Troy Volhoffer from Regina, and he's he has this band, Fran Moran and the Nervous Rex. They're really cool. Yeah, and they gave us permission to use uh, all their music for the pod right from the get-go. So that was pretty cool. And uh, you know what? How many nights have we been bombed to Fran Moran and the Nervous Rex? So they're going to be taking us out here. Thanks to all the sponsors, the guys that came back, the new guys. Hey, what about another... Shout out for our title sponsor, Mainline. Go buy a freaking vehicle, a new or a used, and get entered into the Sunday ticket. A chance to win private jet NFL game of your choice next year. You and three buddies. Kenner, go trade in your Honda Fit. <laughs> that Sunday ticket thing. It's a great name, but it reminds me of all the gambling I've been doing in Sundays and just getting shit kicked. So shout out to that uh, new title sponsor. I did want to give some love uh, here to all of our OGs that renewed too. I think we should just give them a quick plug. High Tech Profiles. Yeah, and a shout out to uh, Flems. I know we all joke about, well, not joke, but I know that you guys have all went, but about uh, seeing Flem every week. But I actually booked in this Friday at one o'clock, so... Hitting the Rochdale location and Sean yeah, Fleming, Sean Fleming and Healthy Eyes Optometry. How about uh, our friend Dave Price? Dave Price up in Saskatoon had a few pints with them on the twenty third. 
He's uh, jacked to be back. Thanks, Dave Price. Looking for anything royalty up in Saskatoon? Call Dave Price. And your new one, uh, Belts, where you're going to be going now from now on to get your hair cut. Sport clips. Yeah, no, I'm pretty jazzed about that. Can't wait to uh, to get the new dude done there. You know what? I think they can keep it high and tight just as it is right now. I know you guys don't like it. Can't get any worse. You know what? Hey, I'm literally looking forward to the old uh, hot towel. Oh, MVP the girls giving me a head massage while I'm there, and uh, yeah, no, I, I can't wait. Little... I can't wait for the before and after picture. <laughs> well, boys, I think we uh, got a lot off our chest this episode. It was kind of a <laughs> kind it, of all over the map, but it, that's what happens when you don't jap for a couple of weeks. So, if you Just need like Team Canada, if if you need clarification on Belter's hairdo, check the Twitter because Belter uh, Boz just posted a picture you can go back a couple days and uh, see belter's new hairdo and then you'll realize uh, why we were japping them all show good to see chuck Liddell. don't know what to tell you don't know what to show you how do i end up by your side don't know who to turn to don't know what i could do how do i end up by your side I just want to love you, I just want to be there by your side I just want to know you, I don't want to snow you I just want to be there by your side And I know, I have never won a love And I'm not really good at the game And I know, you're the only one for me And I know you're feeling the same And there's something missing And there's something missing I should show you Speeding on some silly ride You say I should love you You see I should own you Speeding on some silly ride